0: Yeah, seems kind of quiet around here today. Um, It's uh, it's very unusual. I have one guest. I have a fabulous guest in the in the uh, third hour, uh, and that's uh, actually no second hour. Gregory Wrightstone, and then CJ is coming back in the third hour for our wellness. We've got uh, oh, (laughs) Marco's already there in the Netherlands. He's got most plants would happily accept three times that. Yeah, CO two four hundred forty parts per million. Yeah, the um, one of the things we'll talk about with Gregory Wrightstone is I want to get into the carbon cycle and how. You know, he talks about, you know, mid-1800s, how the, uh, the, the uh, CO2 was like around 130 parts per million, which is dangerously low. Uh, no, it was, it was 100, no, it was 180, uh, and 150 is like death. <laughs> you get 150 parts per million carbon dioxide, we all drop dead, because the plants can't sustain themselves. So you need at least 150 parts per million. We were 180 parts per million, which is only 30 parts per million away from death. And these wackos, these idiots, these, these uh, you know, nutcases keep talking about, uh, oh, we have to get rid of carbon dioxide. Great. You might as well just say, we just have to kill everybody. You know, it's like, uh, you know, Jim Jones in, uh, uh, in, Guy- in Guyana, you know, Jonestown. And say no, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, you just, you're taking away the air. Idiots, complete idiots. But it's fascinating to me. That uh, uh, as a, a God believer and uh, sort of, you know, know that there's a, when, when worse comes to worse, things are going to actually get fixed. Um, that it was uh, the the advent of uh, the Industrial Revolution, the, um, the internal combustion engine, uh, the steam engine, the gasoline engine, you know, the engines that earned organic fuels. And everything is not muscle anymore. So if, I, if, you, if you don't hear me saying it, that's why. But organic fuels, oil. Um, you know, refined into gasoline, diesel, jet fuel eventually, um, all these different things. Uh, natural gas, uh, even uranium, uh, is a, is an organic fuel that comes from the Earth. So it's organic. It's natural. We don't make it. <laughs> we may enrich it, but we don't make it, you know, so it's, it's down there. And it was fascinating to me. This is sort of a revelation I had. Uh, Think about this. Uh, Pianki's on the line, too. So we got Marco and Pianki on live chat. And it was really interesting. This would be a good hour to call in. It's just me. <laughs> and i got some CO2 things to go over with the CO2 coalition, but it's just me you know, until, uh, until Greg Burt's here in the next hour. But, I mean, the Industrial Revolution really saved us. And I never realized that. Uh, until you, you understand that uh, there was the carbon dioxide uh, between glacia- glacial ages. I want to get him to explain it because it's, it's a little bit complex. I'm not quite sure how the cycles work. But the thing is that the CO2 level is dropping dangerously low. You know, when the dinosaurs are here is like three or 4,000 parts per million. And back in the Cambrian, you know, back in the one cell days, it was like 8,000 parts per million. You know, so, so we've, CO2 is at its lowest. So the earth is quite happy with a lot higher level of CO2 than we have now. The plants love it too. And so, you know, if it's 440 now, that's actually good. It probably should be around, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000, somewhere in there, parts per million. You know, there's still plenty of oxygen, folks. You know, carbon dioxide right now is less than half a percent. Uh, I'd probably feel better if carbon dioxide was around 1% because we've got 72% nitrogen, so that keeps the plants happy too. You've got 22% oxygen, like 1% everything else. (laughs) So I don't know how exactly it would uh, – uh, maybe those aren't exact proportions, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, you can look it up. Anyway, it's, it's mostly nitrogen uh, and then oxygen and then a little bit of everything else. <laughs> it's kind of how the atmosphere breaks down. So that's kind of uh, as to how that all works. Anyway, the, the liberation of carbon uh, from these organic materials that have been underground for millions of years, or in a lot of cases, the ocean, so the ocean absorbs a ton of – you know an amazing amount of CO2. I'm not sure how that works and how it comes out. Um US say if hurricanes bring out uh, CO2 from the ocean into the air? I don't know about that. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll put that down. Hurricanes, let me do a little, I've got all these notes for, uh, I us got hurricanes and CO2. Hang on, this is a little live. I have to reach around my microphone to do this. Hurricanes, uh, this E9W, hurricanes and CO2. Question, question, question. There we go, okay. So I got that taken care of. Well, I can say I, I have these big lists and it's funny when we had Christina Bob on Tuesday because we went through my whole question list and that never happens. It never is a case. And we, I was actually, she didn't have time because, you know, I would have had to kind of improvise at that point or I would, we would have gotten extended some, uh, some different things. Uh, but uh, really, that was amazing. Anyway, so back to back to uh, world history. So. In the 1800s, you know, there was no electricity, there was no gasoline, there were no automobiles, you know, we were riding horses, and the, the oil source was whale oil. And that's what they used in the lamps, that's what they used to, you know, grease this and that, and uh, whale oil, or probably animal fat. Anyway, uh, so the whales were being killed, and in large numbers, you know, by harpoons, pretty barbaric. Um, but anyway, petroleum basically saved the whales, because instead of using whale oil, we could now use oil. <laughs> you know, we could use, uh, you know, kerosene. Uh, to to light the lamps. And eventually we got electricity and we use the organic fuels to run the generators, to power the electric lights and away you go, modern society. Um, But the thing is that we're putting a lot of CO2 and H2O. So the the, the byproducts of of burning hydrocarbons combined with oxygen in an internal combustion engine, and we have talked about this before a bunch of times, is carbon dioxide and water vapor. Well, water vapor makes clouds. Oh boy, not a problem. Although that is the the greatest warming uh, of the earth takes place under clouds. You know, look at a cold night uh, that's uh, clear and one that's cloudy. The, the cloudy night, it's warmer to the next day because, right? you know, the clouds kind of are like a little blanket over the earth. So the, the heat uh, kind of gets uh, trapped in. That's why deserts on clear nights can get very cold. Well, they get hot the next day, but uh, the heat definitely dissipates, except in Phoenix because it's all wrapped up in the, the the tar and the and the concrete and everything else, which is why big cities in deserts desert is a really dumb idea. <laughs> Vegas, <laughs> Phoenix, <laughs> some of these other places is really hot. Carson City, you know, Bonanza Town. Anyway, so where where the uh, the intelligent design comes in is at the lowest point in uh, in a relatively recent history of carbon dioxide is the point at which we discovered petroleum and made internal combustion engines and got the industrial revolution going, without which we would not be burning organic fuels. And, you know, life as we know, it might have been over already, <laughs> you know, because who knows when it would have disappeared. I get to get to my live chat. and I get a bunch of things here. So Pianchi says, cord ice samples reveal that 100,000 years ago until present, there were times when CO2 and other elements were present in the air at different cycles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything works in a cycle. I don't understand them all. The oceans have cycles. There, there are like, you know, 10-year, 20-year, 50-year, 100-year, 500-year ocean cycles. You know, the sun has cycles. The Earth's rotation has cycles. The wobble has... I mean, it has a cycle, right? So Marco says in the Netherlands, we have uh, Marcel Kroc from Clintel actively battling the climate disinformation. Oh, okay, so who's that? So Mark... Uh, Mar- is it Marcel Kroc? Marcel Kroc. Not sure who that is. Let me, let me, actually, that might be something I can look up right now. This is the fun thing about live radio. I've got, I got Marco in the Netherlands. i got PNU somewhere in the middle of the country. Uh, and I've got my CO2 coalition, which is actually what I was going to go over. But let's, uh, I don't want to crowd my website with too many things. Let's just pop this window in here and see what Marco has for me. Amazing technology. So uh oh World climate, oh Clin C L I N T E L. I guess that yeah. There is no climate emergency. Okay, there we go. Okay, Nobel Prize winner, Dr. John Clauser. Oh so, okay there. Now this is interesting because I heard uh, Gregory Wrightstone, who's my guest, uh talking about Dr. John Clauser uh in the last uh and he was on the T V. So that was one of the things I wanted to ask him about. Good call, Mark. I appreciate that. So I'll ask him about that. And we've got actually Pianki looks like he's on the line. So let me bring him on, and let's talk uh, climate a little bit. There we go. Morning, sir. Good morning,
1: Mr. Tingler. How are you, sir?
0: Oh, I'm fine. Call me Greg. We know each other already. It's okay. <laughs> this is You know, interesting
1: topic. Uh, no, yeah, it, it is. If you take the cord ice samples at the Antarctic, uh-huh. especially uh-huh. The, the South Pole, and you can drill down into the ice, the ice there is still awful thick. Uh-huh. and you can go back in time and pull it up and you can read along that cord sample, the length of it, and uh-huh. you can see a period of times when you have different patterns. And when you when you sample those patterns, which is nothing more than an entrapment of the atmosphere at that time period, uh-huh. you can find that your C O two levels was much higher than they are today and there was no automobiles and industrial revolution.
0: Yeah, well, it's actually weird. It's not that there were no automobiles. I mean, I agree with you, good analysis. But the thing was that automobiles are not the problem; they're actually the solution. You know, but my point is that because we are burning organic fuels, we are putting carbon dioxide back into the air that needs to be there. And I got, got a it i have got got a chart here I'll, uh, from the Encyclopedia Britannica, and it's fascinating. And you look at this chart, and I'll talk about this with Gregory too. In fact, that's the perfect question to ask him. So uh, I'm, I'll leave you on the line for that, and uh, I'll bring you on live, you know, will give through. you an really uh, example.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Okay. You ever
1: use a compost?
0: I haven't personally. Known. You
1: know, let me t- let me let me but give you know a brief description of anything. some modern yeah. compost. <laughs> some okay. modern composts are like tumbler drums, mm-hmm. and they on a the slant. So you put the material in on one end. Mm-hmm. And you add some carbon, which can be leaves better, or grass, mm-hmm. and right. the compost will tumble. Okay? And it would go, uh, what you put in on one end, because of the slant, it would end up at the other end, pure compost. The dead animals mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever, whatever is gone. Right. Now, you put in material that is organic. If dead animals are organic, it would go right from dust to dust, as the Bible says. Yeah. You don't put in broke glass. You don't put in steel particles. You don't put in bricks. You put in organic material. And that's exactly what happens when you run automobiles. You mm-hmm. are burning organic fuels. And they go right back to the old cliche from dust to dust.
0: Yeah. Well, it, 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 remember the comparison I do between uh, hydrocarbons and carbohydrates? carbohydrates? Hydrocarbons is you know petroleum. A uh, hydrocarbon is what oil, you know, coal, all these things that uh, the, the, the fuels, the organic fuels, except uranium, that's different. Anyway, but hydrocarbons, get, you know, are fuel. Gasoline goes into your carburetor or your fuel injectors. It's mixed with oxygen. So now you've got carbon, hydrogen and oxygen. Well, they re- when, you, when you break the bonds, they release energy. The energy drives the car and the, 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 the byproducts, the waste products uh, the, uh, result from the breaking of the hydrocarbon bonds mixed with oxygen is carbon dioxide and water vapor, H2O, H2O and CO2. Now, the problem was back in the 70s, for those of us, you know, 60s and 70s who remember, you know, Chevy Impala's belching smoke and everything else, was that there was a lot of other stuff in there, too. There was nitrous monox- uh, nitrogen monoxide, sulfur monoxide, and they actually formed uh, nitric acid and sulfuric acid. That's what acid rain was. So you had all these really awful things coming out the tailpipe, as well as, carbon dioxide and oxygen. And so what the automakers have done with the, the catalytic converter and the other technology and the fuels and, and everything that they've done uh, have basically gone back to pretty much, you know, 99% carbon dioxide and water vapor and all the other stuff, the bad stuff's been taken out. So Cars are actually replacing carbon dioxide. Uh-huh, go ahead.
1: Your corporation, your corporation mm-hmm. techniques and your fuel system in automobiles, is much, much better than it was back in those days.
2: Oh, those days,
1: you had gravity, you had gravity-fed corporation, and right. the metering was done by offices of a certain size and a rod that went down in the hole that was mm-hmm. tapered.
0: And so a butterfly valve to let the air in, and something. all those other stupid stuff. You
1: know stuff. what? Yeah. Wait a I'll tell you what. I'll
0: give you a good okay. example. You a pilot, huh? and you fly right.
1: upside down in a Cessna one seventy two? No, it doesn't Not legally. have a pressurized fuel
0: system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Fuel injection. Well, that required. For, I guess that'd be required. I never thought about that, but all the airbag airplanes have to have either fuel injection or a pressurized system. Otherwise, the, yeah, they would quit. Remember the old uh, Battle of Britain uh, stuff? Um, this is before both our times, by the way, folks, that uh, the Hurricanes and Spitfires, the Merlin engine originally had a carburetor. So when they were chasing the Messerschmitts, you know, Messerschmitts would just dive down. You know, they'd go into a negative G dive. Uh, and, the, and the Spitfires and Hurricanes couldn't follow them until they rolled upside down because they had to maintain positive G so the fuel would flow. So that's how the Messerschmitts used to get away from them until the British got – and they put fuel injection in their engines too, in the Marlins. After that, it was pretty much equalized. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a funny system. But here's what I, the point I want to make on this is that I'm looking at this big chart of the carbon cycle. And Perfect. whether carbon's released from volcanoes, whether it's released from uh, you know, biomaterials and other things, whether it comes out of the ocean, whether it comes out of the land, whether it comes out of the trees, a fire, or anything, or even you know, our own emissions from factories, cars, you know, things like that. The one thing that ties all this together, I want to talk to Gregory about this, the one thing that ties the carbon together is the atmosphere. See, the atmosphere covers everything. Right.
1: And you're so is skipping it.
0: It is? Yeah.
1: Ask Marco does hear it.
0: I might have these phones.
1: Each phone huh. service is screwed up. I gotta get rid of get a new because Verizon has bought up, uh my service company and I can't text until I put in another SIM card. So I'm getting rid of that. I'm going to, to another American uh American friendly server huh.
0: coming? The heck with these foreigners. <laughs> i got AT&T, you know, and that's, that's where my modem works. And that's, uh, you know, so I have, I got one of these, you know, I finally got a UPS, uh, uninterrupted power supply. And the plug came mm-hmm. out just a fraction of an inch and it actually it shut down this morning. And I found my, my Roku TV, the sound is horrible. Uh, so that's kind of off. So I don't know what's going on. But You better uh,
1: know whatever you done. But yeah, continue with your story. I'm sorry to interrupt well, you.
0: Oh, that's okay. No, the only thing, well, see, you know, I try to keep the number of websites down, keep the windows, you know, to a minimum. That's that's generally where we have problems. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take out that uh, that extra website. Yeah, that's not the one I want. Yeah, I think it's just want to head that one out. But the carbon cycle is, well, That that's a website that uses a lot of energy. Actually, I can probably get rid of that one. Uh, I don't think I need that one as much now, because I pretty but much But you know, you
1: were talking about, was talk about okay, the atmosphere, Greg. Uh, yep. You're absolutely right, because... One of the reasons, see, at the bottom of the ocean bed, you have volcanoes all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if it wasn't for the pressure of the water, and also atmospheric pressure, which is two ninety nine and two, I believe, at
3: yeah, sea level,
1: yep. Yeah. Then guess what would happen? You would have all sorts of disruption, erupt eruptions at the ocean bed, thus spewing sulfuric. And other gases into the atmosphere it would be it would be it would be unlivable well so the oceans that's something I don't know are about. based on a balance and it works out yeah. pretty damn good
0: well most of CO2 is in the ocean that's that's where it is and I should talk to Gregory about that and there are cycles when actually when it's warmer uh CO2 comes out of the ocean so we actually do better uh, in those circumstances but anyway but the, the carbon cycle is but fascinating because, again, the atmosphere ties the land and ties the water together. So any, any carbon source, uh, if to get to any other carbon source, it has to go through the atmosphere, which is fascinating. And so if we don't put carbon dioxide back into the atmosphere, basically we're dead. And so most of the increase in carbon dioxide, you know, uh, other than natural sources, has been us, human activity. And if you look at, uh, like I say, you look at intelligent design and and God, you know, putting a little hand in here, that was the time to do it. So it's fascinating to me that the time when we had the lowest carbon dioxide levels that were dangerously low, uh, that's when we discovered petroleum, you know, and the internal combustion engine started the the industrial revolution and did exactly what we needed to do, which is put carbon back in the air so we would live. They didn't know it at the time. And and a lot of people today think it's just the opposite, idiots. But uh, it is critical for us to keep putting carbon uh, dioxide. But Back what in the happened?
1: Uh huh. Yeah. What happened? You, you there was a, a greater demand as a greater demand as man, uh, quote unquote, mm-hmm. population increased. So mm-hmm. the balance that had been established before you reached that point of greater demand was fine. It was perfectly fine. But mm-hmm. when you start putting on a greater demand, then things have to change in order to continue the
0: life cycle, and that's what happened. Yeah, well, there's a greater demand for food now too, because there's a lot more people. Now we can feed those people. Um, you know, it might be might be nice if people actually you know, didn't have 20 kids, but you know, um, but but the thing is, there's a lot of people, and the problem is not food, it's distribution. And so we've got the you know so but the carbon carbon dioxide in the air, you know, makes a whole lot of food. <laughs> so we, we can support a you know another of thing. Billions too, of people. You Hello? have
1: to have the you have to apply the science in agriculture. Organic mm-hmm. food is not going to feed the world. That would have worked uh, 300,000 years ago. But as populations increase and greater demand for uh, yield per acre, you have to mm-hmm. use scientific methods. Method. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. If you want to have your well, organic garden, you can have that in the backyard. But you can't have that in no production form. It just won't work.
0: Well, and here's the thing, too. Let's Like we do with conspiracies and reality, there's a line. There's a line between, you know, like crossbreeding different crops, you know, to make a better whatever. And, and then, then the line to cross is when you start getting a genetic modification. where you actually go in and rearrange the DNA that does not occur in nature. So that's the problem. So the problem is rearranging you're the right. DNA. But if, if you take different varieties of apple and you just, like, crossbreed them, I, nature does that anyway, <laughs> you know. And so that's okay. So as long as you're, you know, it's the difference between researching a virus and creating a new one, like COVID, is an engineered virus. Uh, they're not researching, you know, how to make it better because, you know, to, to, to cure it. I mean, they're researching how to make it better so they can, uh, you know, sell more vaccines. You know, it, it's a very nefarious purpose. So the question, well, is, okay, the line, yeah. So the line for me is: Are you doing something that involves natural products? Crossbreeding, nitrogen fertilizer is a natural product. You know, the nitrogen
1: fertilizer nature. is made yeah. out of a guess what? Natural gas.
0: Exactly. That's this, well, and it see, goes the to the plant is only looking
1: for the nitrogen. How you yeah. get there, the plant don't care. Give me my <laughs> nitrogen. That's what the plant asks for.
0: Yep. Yeah, and especially as we uh, drain the, the, some of the soil of some of its resources, you know, but you've got to do crop rotations and things like that. But as I understand it, plants have like nitrogen nodules or, or they have ways to take in nitrogen from the soil. And they take in carbon dioxide from the air and they give off and they take in water and they put, mix it all together and grow and then they give off oxygen. It's a really great system. So you want to talk about intelligent design? The plants give off oxygen, and we give off carbon dioxide. <laughs> the, the cycle continues. You know, it's, it's really quite fascinating. But I just find it amazing that at the very time we had the lowest um, carbon dioxide levels, we covered, you know, petroleum. Uh, that, to me, is fascinating. And so these idiots, these morons that come along and say, uh, oh, we have to get rid of all carbon, either they don't know what they're talking about uh, on purpose uh, in other words, they're idiots, or, or they they do know what they're talking about. And they want to kill everybody. Either way, they're wrong. Yeah, they know so, what
1: they're talking about.
0: The people you know, that's
1: listening don't know what they're talking about. That's where the problem lies, like. it goes along yeah. with the ignorance in the educational
0: system. Yeah, but you know, and it's well. Here's the thing, too. I mean, everything. I mean, I talk about the the logic and reason filter all the time. Everything goes through logic and reason filter here. You know, even Josie's <laughs> rather interesting theories. Um, and if they make sense, okay. If it doesn't make sense, I'll call it out. But you know, there's, there's well, no, there's it, no logic taught. There's it, no basic thought. I mean, this is critical thinking. Go ahead.
1: There's no, there's nothing wrong with theories, but you have to prove them to be facts. Mm-hmm. If you can't prove it, then it becomes to conspiracy. If you yep. got a theory, prove it. Take it into the laboratory, or whatever, mm-hmm. in your kitchen, and your
0: whatever, and mm-hmm. make it, prove it. Yeah. No, I agree. If it can't be
1: proved, it's none but the controversy. And sometimes you
0: can, sometimes you can prove by logic, you know, and and just by irrefutable evidence, you know, known facts, you know, can get you to a conclusion. Um, That's a, you know, circumstantial evidence does that all the time in court. Um, but people they don't they don't think about that. So well you know it's like there's no proof the election was stolen. There's mountains of proof. You just haven't looked. So people actually I have to look to make for an honest discussion. All right, let's. Go, I want to talk about the CO2 Coalition for a bit because this is Gregory Wrightstones. Uh, he's the director of the organization. Now Gregory used to be on the show um, somewhat regularly. You know he was on it when I was at WBY. He was on early on in Blog Talk Radio um, before his book came out. He was pretty easy to get. Now he's almost impossible because, you know, he does all these, these huge network shows and big news shows and things like that. So we're really lucky to get him back. So I'm definitely going to maximize the time. But you can ask him about, uh, I'll bring you on at some point just for that one question. Uh, unless we have more time, we'll see how it goes. But uh, that'd be a good question to ask about the, the, the glacial course because that's what he does. He's a climate geologist. That's his specialty. He knows all about that stuff. Um, so that would be interesting. 'Cause I'm so I'm sure he's so used to dealing with, you know, unfriendly and ignorant audiences. And he doesn't have to do that here. We're gonna jump start right to the good stuff. So I'm gonna direct everybody to the C O two coalition. I can,
1: work, coalition. The, uh, I can work the chat room because it's better for your brain.
0: Okay, yeah, do that. Just, in fact, you can ask a question there too, and I can always ask him directly. Okay. So that's a that's a good thing. I wish more people would make use of that. Um anyway, so CO2coalition.org. O R G. So C O 2 coalitionorg uh, is his organization in? I think it's in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside D.C. It says the CO2 Coalition was established in 2015 as a nonpartisan educational foundation operating under Section 510C3 of the IRS code. But I guess that wasn't, you know, totally obliterated by Lois Lerner back when. That's not in there. That's just me. And it says for the purpose of educating thought leaders, policymakers, and public—that's us. Uh, About the most important uh, contribution made by carbon dioxide to our lives and the economy. Coalition seeks to engage in an informed and dispassionate discussion. Well, we don't do dispassionate here. We do passionate. (laughs) We're very passionate about our discussions Uh, of climate change, human's role in the climate system, the limitations of climate models, and the consequences of mandated reductions in CO2 emissions. Yeah, this is going to be good. I wish I had him for an hour. (laughs) We used to. Not anymore. You know the, the the big folks would get to thirty minutes and that's it. So that's the CO2 coalition, and then they had this thing on uh, facts, providing the facts about CO2 and climate change. I started reading through them, and I thought this would be kind of good for us to go through. So I will give you a fact, and you can react to it. Uh, it's going to block live chat. I'll check back with uh, with uh, Marco, who I guess we're, we're broadcasting. Okay, now he hasn't said anything about our signal and your signal line too. So I, I have to. Sorry, Marco, I have to block off live chat for a little bit, but I'll be back. Okay, here's the, the first of the fact number one, 140 million year trend of dangerously decreasing CO2. Let me say that again. For 140 million years, this is, this is what these guys do when they do those, those ice cores way down, you know, 100,000 feet, right? Or, well, not that much, however far it is. 140 million year trend of dangerously decreasing CO2. So let's go back to 140 million years ago, uh, parts per million was 2,500. And it goes down, 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 down. Present day, it's like, uh, what does Marco say? Well, this chart looks to be about 250, maybe. 130 is where everything dies. So from 2,500, we're about one-tenth of the CO2 from 140 million years ago. That's interesting. Chart says, for the last 140 million years, CO2 levels fell precipitously and steadily to within 30 parts per million of the 150 parts per million line of death. This is where I got it from, right? Below which plants cannot survive. Both the relatively short-term data from the ice cores and much longer-term data going back 140 million years uh, show an alarming downward trend uh, towards CO2 starvation. The release of carbon dioxide by the use of fossil fuels, which we call organic fuels, has allowed humanity to increase concentrations of this beneficial molecule and perhaps avert an actual CO2-related climate apocalypse. Now, wouldn't it be shocking if everybody got the message that the burning of organic fuels is critical for our survival? You know, they should subsidize all gas powered vehicles, right? I mean, I want to get this to Trump. You know, I, wouldn't talk, I didn't want to talk to Christina Bob about this stuff because that's not her specialty. She doesn't like to get too far from the legal stuff. Uh, she's very good at the legal stuff. She's an expert at it, you know, but I find that experts, a lot of times, they can't diversify. So the one thing about this show is we, we cover so many different topics. You really have to know uh, a little bit about everything, you know, to do this show. And uh, But this is why I bring experts on who know a lot about one thing, more than I know about that particular thing. But, Pianki, do you find that interesting? The release of carbon dioxide by the use of organic fuels has allowed humanity to increase concentrations of this beneficial molecule and perhaps avert an actual CO2-related climate apocalypse. That's pretty strong stuff.
1: Well, yeah, what he's saying is actually right. And like I said before, uh, before he got into the business of re- uh, revealing that information and taking time off what he was probably other doing,
2: well, mm-hmm.
1: it's a big major part of his life. It's a shame that you have to go through this from time to time because you, you have people that come in and bamboozle the public based on their ignorance, and they read rewards off of it they rape the public they steal their money Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what's going on now you're killing the oil industry and all the people that's been dependent upon that not Mm -hmm. only in a weekly income but also retirees you got thousands and thousands of retirees and people that's in all areas along the way from upstream to downstream now they want to kill that
0: Oh, yeah. And this is another reason we talk about uh, a, a constitutional amendment to stop Congress borrowing money, because that would increase the value of everybody's money. Your savings would increase. You know, instead of losing 5% of your money, the value of your money, you'd probably, you know, if we get deflation, you would gain 5% of your money, which means everybody would automatically get a raise, especially those on fixed incomes. You know, seniors living on Social Security and other fixed incomes, uh, all that all their purchasing power would increase. they would actually get a raise. So if you can buy... You know, a dollar five's worth of stuff for a dollar this year, and a dollar ten's worth of stuff next year. I mean, this doesn't sound like a lot, but you start spending, you know, money, serious money, it bounces up pretty fast.
1: And you need to have a constitutional amendment to get the federal government out of the uh, practice of trying to control the act- the activities on state land and charge well, that's fees one. to the commerce. That money should go to the states. Somebody told me that the the federal government done something where the Alaskans don't receive their stipends every,
0: you know, periodically mm, like I think they, they were
1: from the extracting. Uh, I don't so? know about that.
0: that. Yeah, that would take some investigating. I'm not sure. I don't know. As far as I know, they still do. But I, I don't know for sure. So that might take some investigating. I have a friend up in Alaska. Um, so I have, I'm i getting contacts all around the country. It's really interesting. So I'll, I'll talk to to her about that. Anyway, fact number two. The warming effect of each molecule of CO2 declines as its concentration increases. So gaining more CO2 proportionally has less effect on on any kind of uh, uh, warming effect. That's that's interesting. And actually, I've heard that uh, the, the the climate warms up and then there's more CO2, not the other way around. CO2 does not cause warming; it's a result of warming. Anyway, it says here climate scientists have determined that. And both the, both uh, question? Piagi.
1: No, so I didn't have anything. I was just thinking. Okay. Uh, when okay. you burn organic fuel, fuels, yeah, you produce uh, COT. A key word there is burning, warming.
0: Uh, well, I, see, I don't think the burning. I don't think the internal combustion engine warms the earth. <laughs> you know, because it doesn't radiate enough heat far enough to make a difference. Maybe in an entire city. Well, cities are warmer by a couple of degrees, but the minute you get outside the city, you get away from all that, uh, uh, all those vehicles and everything else like that. And the temperature is going to go back to normal. That's why they, when they do climate temperature you know, things, they put them in parking lots. <laughs> they put them next to air conditioning, you know, heat vents. <laughs> you know, they, they put the, 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 these temperature sensors in the worst possible places. Oh, it's warmer. No, it's not. You put it next yeah, to the jet come.
1: engine. Yeah. During the time of Haley Comet, I used to take my daughter to the outskirts so to see with our binoculars so we could see through the atmosphere. It was clear. So, yes. You oh, know, yeah, I did
0: that. Yeah, I did that during the, the Perseids, whatever it's called, meteor showers uh, every year. Yeah, I take my kid. We, we go find some mount, dark mountaintop. And we, it, was right, it was in the Bay Area. There's plenty of high places away from lights. And we sit there and watch. I remember watching with uh, about 20 or 30 folks. Really big meteor. Big one. Covered the whole sky and lit up everything. And it was, it was a bright green trail. It was weird. It was like, oh, boy, that was a big one. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's fascinating. Anyway, so this is climate fact number uh, dos. Uh, we've got climate scientists have determined that both and both sides agree that the warming effect of each molecule of CO2 decreases significantly logarithmically, which is you know uh, which is not a one to one ratio. It's it's a uh, exponential decrease uh, as the concentration increases. Is that this is one reason why there are no runaway greenhouse warming there why there was no runaway greenhouse warming when the concentration of CO2 was approaching 20 times that of today. This inconvenient fact, which is what Gregory's book is called, uh, important though it is, is kept very well hidden and is rarely ever mentioned, for it undermines the theory of future catastrophic climate change. Uh, Diminishing returns apply. So I should ask him about that. So this would be uh, uh, fact number two. Let's make a copy of this, and I'll put this in my my growing list of questions. Uh, So what do you think of that, Piaki? Does that make sense? That each, you know, it's diminishing returns. As you add more stuff, each each additional bit of stuff has less effect.
1: Well Mother Nature does the best. You know how long the earth has been forming and and the environment has been forming to where it can support life. Yeah. You know, the United States continent was basically a big forest.
0: Yeah. Actually was at one point in time. What I've heard is grass grasslands, lands, and forest. now it's forests. It's actually doing better now than the seventeen, eighteen hundreds. 1800s. There's much more grasslands, and the grasslands were far less fertile than the, um, uh, than the forests are now. So there's much more forest land. Bureau of Land Management, uh, the, the, the forestry folks, you know, there's far more trees now than there used to be, which is interesting.
1: You got way more nutrients out of a pound of spinach yeah. uh, 4,000 years ago than what you do today. Because of the depletion. Yeah. And what do you do in order to bring that depletion back? Well, try to put things back the way it was, grow more trees, especially in those areas where mm-hmm. it has become desert densification. The way to stop densification is grow stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, the you know, way to stop to,
1: soil here, erosion yeah. is to grow stuff.
0: Well see that's a problem. The way hard to hard
1: replenish to the
0: yeah.
1: aquifers is uh uh-huh to make roads impervious to rainfall water. So it goes right through and goes right back to the ground and replenish the aquifers.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and everything's, like I say, everything's a cycle. Um, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating. So, so here's fact number three. Uh, CO2 is plant food. <laughs> you know, it, and it says CO2, uh, plants love CO2 for a good reason. This is Dr. Craig Idso. So anybody wants to see what I'm doing, go to the uh, CO2coalition.org Website um, facts about climate change. That's where I am right now, and so he's got he's got a little pine tree, and he's got 385 parts per million, which is ambient, and it's, it's about you know waist high. Then he's then he's got 535, which is 150 parts per million more, and it's it's like belly high. And then he's got one at 685 parts per million, uh, and that's uh, that's 300 over ambient, and that's like uh, chest high. And then at, at 835 parts per million, you know it, it's up uh, you know up to his nose. <laughs> You know, same growing time. And so CO2 makes plants grow. There's a, You know, if you take an actual greenhouse, an actual greenhouse, you know, is warmer and has more CO2 than the atmosphere around it. That's what makes plants grow. That's why people have greenhouses, so they can grow things bigger, better, and faster than they would out in the natural uh, environment, which is interesting. And then these folks come along and they say that, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, CO2 is a greenhouse gas is causing the Earth to warm. I said, really? At less than half a percent, it's 0.04 percent of the atmosphere. I said, if you took all the glass in a greenhouse except for 0.04 percent and you just took all that glass away, how effective do you think that greenhouse would be? <laughs> it'd be like one little panel on the corner somewhere. You know, it'd be like, uh, you know, like a like a I don't know, a, a five inch square of glass. That'd be it. There's your 0.4. 0.04% greenhouse coverage. So it's not going to uh, trap a whole lot of heat. Anyway, so we've got here the good reasons. It's the CO2 concentration is starving trees and plants of the food they need to achieve their full growth potential via photosynthesis. Additional benefits, increased photosynthesis, plants grow faster with less stress and less water. Oh, well, that's interesting. Less water. I didn't know that. Forests are growing faster, stimulates growth of beneficial bacteria So that's probably your nitrogen uh, nodule breaking down bacteria on both soil and water. Uh, More plant growth means less erosion of topsoil. That's what Pianchi just mentioned. Bigger crop yields and more and bigger flowers. Pianchi mentioned that too. Uh, Fosters glomalin. I don't know what that is. A beneficial protein created by root fungi. Mm, Who knows? Less water loss, less irrigation, and more soil moisture. Increase in natural repellents to fight insect predators. So you don't need as many pesticides. So CO two really cures everything. <laughs> it's like the miracle chemical. It's like the miracle compound, and yet we're trying to get rid of it. Pianchi?
1: Well, Greg, all it is is a, a money grab ploy yeah. of trying to put a another industry into effect where these politicians can derive donations for their candidacy from these industries. Uh, these donations are unchecked. You don't know where how they spent. I mean, it's just a contendum of demonic activity that's going on. It's going to yeah. devastate people's lives to go from one to the other. The government should have nothing to do with that. It should be based on markets of demand and supply.
0: Makes sense. Let me give you another one here. Uh, this is fact number 10. Modern warming oh. began more than 300 years ago. What? Hello? Are we getting an echo? Am I broadcasting okay? Hello, hello,
1: Yeah, hey, you
0: okay? Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah, I hear silence. I worry. This is why I, I'm I'm trying to get a producer back. <laughs> you know, I need I need someone that I can instantly talk to to make sure everything's going well because they refuse to give me uh, digital meters, dB meters, uh, decibel meters on my on my screen. So I never know if I'm sending out a signal or not. And so I've been trying to do that for about five years now with Blog Talk. All right, fact number 10. Warming began 300 years ago. It says the the Central England temperature record, the Had Set, contains the longest continuously measured thermometer-based regional temperature data set in the world, going back more than 350 years. Well, that's interesting. This record began in 1659 in the depths of the Little Ice Age, 1250 to 1800, which was marked by some of the coldest temperatures in nearly 8,000 years. The period of the late 17th century, so that would be the 1600s, in the early 18th century, which would be the 1700s, I wish they wouldn't do that. It screws me up every time, was a horrifically cold period known as the maunder Minimum. I've heard that before. Thankfully, the current warming trend we are in began in the year 1695. Well, that's interesting. The next 40 years had more than twice the rate of warming as we experienced in the 20th century. The first half of this 300-plus year warming had about the same amount of temperature rise as the latter half uh, and was ex- entirely naturally driven. The natural forces driving temperatures uh, temperature changes for the first 200 years of this temperature history did not cease functioning in the 20th century. So in other words, people say, well, 20, the Industrial Revolution warmed the planet. No, it didn't. It was already warming by a lot, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so these people, again, it's, it's got to be communism. And the root of all climate change nonsense is communism. It's the way to scare people into b- believing something and allowing for a change in lifestyle that's completely unnecessary. Here's another one, number 11. So I'm going pull up number 11. This is kind of fun, actually. Melting glaciers confirm modern warming predated the increase of CO2. Let's see if an explanation for this. Melting glaciers and rising sea levels are a direct result of warming. Well, that's pretty obvious. The evidence shows that the global warming causing the rise in sea levels and the retreat of the glaciers began long before any significant man-made CO2 increases could have influenced either. Both are directly the result of the natural warming that began in the late 17th century. So the 1600s. So if the world's been warming up since the 1600s, what, what kind of technology did we have in the 1600s? We had wooden sailing ships. We had horse-drawn wagons. We had, uh, I mean, they, they built some of the big cathedrals. So they, they would have had some kind of concrete. Well, you, this is your department, Pianchi. Mm-hmm. What are those cathedrals built? What, what's Notre Dame built up? That was built in the 1600s, wasn't it? How'd they build that?
1: How They built what in the 1600s?
0: Notre Dame. These old cathedrals. What kind of building materials did
1: they use? They built it with stone. They didn't have uh, reinforced concrete. You know another thing that causes problems is Uh when you establish large bodies of water. You know, if you took a a tank and put it in the back of a pickup
2: truck, Mm-hmm. And
1: it was full of water. You t- made a turn. Well, they would try to turn the truck up unless you put baffles in the tank. So mm-hmm. when China builds this three gorges down, it mm-hmm. acts as an inertial momentum that causes the earth to slow up a little bit. But when you're facing a great big giant sun, that little bit makes a big difference. Things going to get warmer.
0: Yeah, that's, that would be an interesting question. Type that one in. Uh, I'll see if I can uh, ask Gregory that. That might be, uh, that not, it's not a question I'm sure he's had uh, before. And it's something I've, I, you've mentioned it before, and I haven't seen anything on it yet, but it doesn't mean it's not uh, a real factor. Um, let me get back, just in the part of this other question here. It says glaciers could not begin to retreat and cease to rise until the atmosphere warms sufficiently to allow the summer ice loss to exceed winter accumulations. Yeah, you, gotta have, you don't have melting, you've got to have more melting than you have, you know, increase. It says that that glacial tipping point occurred around 1800 with full-on retreat by 1850. So 1950, that's about the time before the Industrial Revolution is like right before it when CO2 was at its lowest. That's interesting. And then it says thus began more than 150 years of worldwide glacial retreat and sea level rise that continues at about the same rate today as it was 150 years ago. So the Industrial Revolution has had no effect on that the burning of organic fuels has no effect on that because it was already going before we had an industrial revolution. Let's well, ask about the stone, about the building materials, because the technology, there was nothing in the 1600s when the earth started warming that, that, you know, man-made influence could have influenced. That was the point of that question.
1: Well, brick, bricks and stone was made out of, out of the earth, clay and, and what's called layer trail, you
2: know,
1: in, in some remote villages in in areas like in Africa they uh-huh. they use uh they use the soil and add some ingredient it's called leotriol and they they uh, put it in forms set it out in the sun and they use that to build it but now you use concrete and concrete has to be reinforced because it doesn't have tensile strength it has compression strength but not tensile strength
4: it, What's it the makes
1: difference? a difference tensile strength is, is bending earlier you said it early, and you ever notice that after the sun go down, how hot it still is in the cities? Well, well because the concrete is radiating the heat that it absorbed during the day.
0: Right. Because the air is cooler around it, so it actually warms the air. Oh, yeah, and again, I remember seeing a, a report years ago that uh, some guy did a, a photograph of where all those temperature sensors were that they were using for so-called, you know, climate change analysis, and they were in the middle of asphalt parking lots. they were on top of hot buildings. They were next to uh, air condition, you know, where the hot air comes out of an air conditioner. I think one was at the airport <laughs> near the jet engines. I mean, they, they put these things in the worst possible places. Well, oh, global warming. No, it's not. It's jet engine warming, you idiot. <laughs> Anyway, um, well, yeah, it's, people it's, it's,
1: it's, in the northern yeah. regions would build a house,
0: and that house would have
1: southern exposure.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: right inside the wall, the glass wall, they would have a thermal mass. And that thermal mass would be stone, basically a concrete or something dark. It would absorb the heat. Sometimes they use water tubes, too. Mm-hmm. And at night, it would give off the heat to help heat the house. It would well, have to the use artificial uh,
0: energy. Yeah, this is the principle of the solar, solar water heating system. It's got a dark material, yeah. so it absorbs the heat, uh, and then in the at nighttime, it uh, it cools. So it, it, you can reverse it. You can put it both ways. It can actually dissipate heat or absorb heat. Oh, yeah. It's the same old technology. That's why trees, you know, if you want to find out northern versus southern, so the northern ones have the moss on them. You know, the it's southern part right. doesn't. <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: in I've stayed in accommodations in Africa uh-huh. where they don't have water heaters. They have dark tanks, black tanks that store water. And when the sun comes up and heats the water, then you can take a warm shower.
0: Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if they could probably do it at night to absorb the heat from the place and cool it down. Yeah. I'm not sure how that works. But yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Anyway, here's the one. Interglacial, uh, interglacials usually last 10,000 years. Oh, 10,000 to 15,000 years at the interglacial periods. Ours is 11,000 years old, so we're kind of at the, at the tail end of our interglacial. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to an ice age. <laughs> you know. I mean, uh, by the time I have left, I don't think I have to worry about it, but even so, I would not want to be through an ice age. I don't want to have to go hunt mammoths with the Cro-Mannians. It says here, the period of glaciation, glaciation periods are 100,000-year cycles, driven by natural forces beyond our control. In other words, liberals can't legislate it. The warmer interglacials last 10 to 15,000 years. Importantly, we are now about 11,000 years into our current interglacial period, which may end within the next century or, or last another several thousand years. Huh, that's optimistic. In any case, the beneficial interglacial warmth that we are enjoying now will end at some point in the not-too-distant future in a geological sense. When the next ice age descends upon us, it will be a true climate apocalypse accompanied by crop failures, famine, mass immigration from colder to warmer regions. Oh, great, Florida. Uh, and unprecedented population loss. Yeah, because you can't survive with the top extremes and the bottom extremes of the world you know, under ice. So looking at the last 4,000 years of climate and history, bad things happening during cold periods, very bad things. Cooler periods brought severe hardship and death, but the descent into the, into the true ice age would be horrific for humanity, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. In fact, let me let me copy that. This is where the next ice age is. All right. So let's the uh, fourth. How much more? Yeah. I'm just going to take this little sentence here. Uh, that'll be cheery. So. Most people don't know that. They're, they're worried about carbon dioxide warming the Earth, and we're facing the end of our warming period. And I don't think people are thinking about that. Huh. All right, would so what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a little... Let me just do the fact number 14. You
1: know, during the glacial period, I don't know if you've ever studied it, uh-huh. but you had ice in the area, Ice extends down from the northern <laughs> region of, the, of the Earth down as far as Tennessee. Oh, yeah. And you had ice that was as much as a mile thick in the New York area.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Look at the Grand Canyon.
1: The Grand Canyon is in, in, and yeah, mm-hmm. your major rivers like uh, the Mississippi, uh, mm-hmm. that trough was formed by glaciers that was extending and moving down into the, what we call now the delta region it's where they melt the ice move and when it moves it moves along the ground moves around the rocks carves it out scrapes it and when it's all gone you have what you got the mississippi river used to be further east than where it is
0: now yeah and
1: now it's further west
0: yeah see i'd never heard about the um uh, the, the, the idea that there was that thick, you know, but I remember uh, the, the Grand Canyon I was thinking of. I never heard that. That was a product. I always thought that was the Colorado River. Okay. I'm back on live chat. I've kind of moved yeah. around a little bit, um, but I know Yosemite, you know, half dome. The reason it's half dome is the other half got taken off by a glacier. That's how powerful the, the ice is. And so if you think about it, where, where would the habitable areas of the earth be? Now, here's a thought. Maybe these, uh, these world government stooges are, are worried actually know that the planet is gonna is gonna go through you know potentially another uh, ice age at some point soon, and they want they want they want to lower the population you know their way rather than have it lowered you know by the coming ice age I should ask Gregory about that too well
1: it's going it's gonna lower naturally <clears throat> but uh, yes yeah, ice was that thick if not even thicker.
0: All right, Let me take a break. I'm going to write that question down. That'd be interesting. So we've got Gregory coming up in about 10 minutes. So it's now 8 749. 749. Let me get my contact information for buddy and I'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215 383 3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page, available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is WriteYourLaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. WriteYourLaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash action radio we have over 20 action radio facebook groups use the facebook search window by putting in action radio to find our groups my public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com please contact me about advertising on action radio and helping our mission of freedom thank you for listening Cool. So I'm back. I've got uh, Pianchi online and on the uh, live chat. We've got Marco in the Netherlands on live chat. And anybody wants wants to join in, you know, feel free. Uh, I won't be taking calls much with uh, with Gregory when He's here, but he's only here for half an hour. And so we've got the back half hour, and then we've got CJ on wellness. So we've got time to talk about this. Uh, we haven't done climate change stuff. I don't know why we call it climate change. We should just call it climate stuff. Uh, every time you say climate change, you're almost reinforcing the propaganda. But, um, I think uh, Pianchi had a comment here. He says, green energy is yet another bamboozle on the ignorance of people who it is uh, being directed at. Uh, doom and gloom has devastated the lives of millions uh, who only realize that they were had after the greedy demons, you know, have come and gone. Uh, devastating lives along the way. Yeah, green energy is another thing we should talk about as well, um, because this whole idea is crazy. I mean, electric, we don't need electric cars. We've got perfectly good gasoline cars. We've got plenty of petroleum in this country. We've got, as Trump was saying, actually, shanky I don't know if you saw this, and Mark, I, I, probably you didn't see this, but just in case, Trump's speech yesterday, I mean, I, I don't watch the Goober debates because I don't care about the Goobers. That would be the GOP uh, globalist deep staters, which I call Goobers. So the Goobers were talking to themselves, and uh, the, the political masturbation show <laughs> is what I called it yesterday. It was, I don't usually do that, but every once in a while. Uh, but Trump had a really great speech in front of this uh, auto parts manufacturing place. They make, I guess, transmissions, gear shifts, you know, linkages and stuff. They make stuff that make trucks go. And they're in Michigan, and they're all for Trump. And Trump is calling on, the, you know, the United Auto Workers to endorse him, which I think is hysterical. Um, but it's, it actually would be in their interest. But uh, they were talking about, you know, these electric cars are going to kill the jobs. There's nothing good from electric cars that I can see. If people want to buy them, you know, okay, but you should have a $25,000 hazmat fee for the bat. There should not be any subsidies of any kind, and there certainly shouldn't be any mandates. that so we have to, you know, buy what the government, what the leftist progressives want us to buy because they're, they're mined with, ch- with child slave labor. They're, they're dangerous chemicals of lithium and cadmium. Uh, the batteries are too heavy, you know, and, uh, you know, if you want to conserve a little gasoline, you know, buy a hybrid. Hybrids seem to me the best of all worlds. You know, especially for city driving. They're, they're not so good on the highways. But city driving, hybrids are great because every time you're braking, you're charging the battery. So hybrids make sense. Little tiny engine, you know, uh, but they don't have no battery. They don't need it. They just have a regular car battery, as far as I know. Anyway, uh, but uh, this, 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 you know, all the green stuff is bad. You know, it's, you know the, the windmills kill birds. Uh, the windmills in the ocean kill Whoa. whales. You know, there's nothing good from this. And we don't need it. That's the other thing. We don't need it. Yes, that idea of uh, having a vehicle
1: that's going to have an alternator or a charging system on the vehicle as it runs to charge the battery, that don't work out too well. Uh, so I,
0: how the does the car, it? Tell me about hybrid. Nothing new. All right. So if I got it a hybrid, hybrids? Is when you have two fuel systems,
1: you have gasoline something else. Good hybrid is uh, it still fuel the best? I don't. People are find out you can't explain things to some folks. And what you have now, you've seen it before. You know, there was a time when you had liveries with horses, yeah. and uh, the people would go in and rent horses, carriages, and so on and so on. Well, then the automobile came and took over that industry. Mm-hmm. Now what you got now, you've got people who've got this hell business on electric vehicle. They're trying to take over the modern traditional automobile industry. That's what they're trying to do
0: there's nothing wrong with the automobile industry. In fact, if anything, and this is something that I think the automobile industry themselves should push. They should get out there. They got the money. They should have a marketing campaign. CO2 is good, you know, and, and you know, we love CO2. That's the CO2 coalition. That's what they keep saying. But it'd be nice to, to t- I'm going to write a note for that. Let me another another note for, for Gregory. You know, with car companies, car company, CO2 marketing, you know, burn gasoline, save the planet. <laughs> you know, I mean, why not? I mean, they well,
1: yeah, you're absolutely right, but you know how you get to this and where you all of a sudden find yourself in a battle is that beforehand you didn't educate your population, i.e. your children. Children mm-hmm. are not being educated in biology not being educated in science, so as they become adults, they can be sold any cock-and-boogle story, and they'll mm-hmm. believe it out of fear and act so.
0: Well, fear. They, I mean, the the climate change stuff took lessons from COVID. You know, the whole COVID was all based on fear. It wasn't based on knowledge. Marco's another point too. He says, "Oh, there's Gregory now." Marco says, "In the Netherlands, they actively changed old weather data, uh, so it seems we have more heat waves now than in the past." And I'll ask Gregory about that um, in just well, a I'm second. I'm oh. mute. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to bring him on right now because uh, and Gregory, we've been talking climate change for the whole you know whole hour before he got here. But let me do our traditional guest of the day for our guest. Gregory Wrightstone. So, my bio said he's a climate change analyst, which sounds like a new title for me. A geologist, which I do know, and the executive director of the CO2 Coalition in Arlington, Virginia. He's the best-selling author of Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. He's also been on Action Radio quite a few times, uh, mostly before he became you know, famous and well-known and uh, on all the news shows. So we can't get him anymore, <laughs> except on rare occasions. So I'm glad to have you back, sir. Gregory, how you doing?
3: Oh, good, good. Oh, come on now.
0: You're,
3: wow. uh, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always glad to be back on with you, Greg. Oh, I know you glad on. to be back on, but yeah, it's just hard to get you.
0: It's harder to get you because you're so popular. <laughs> let, me, let me give you a cheer here. You're, just, you're just busy. Yeah. So just to let you know, you're among friends, you know, and I want to get into stuff that you probably don't get to talk about on most shows because you've got to defend just the basics. You know, CO2 is good. So we already know CO2 is good. Uh, we've been going over the CO2 Coalition website, all the, the, the facts, the climate facts, and I've got questions. I've got Marco in the Netherlands uh, on live chat. I've got Pianchi, who's muted himself. He might uh, type in a question as well. Um, but let's let's uh, let's get into this. Is this a new title for you, Climate Change Analyst? Or is that something that... Um... I don't know
3: where you got that, but I'll, I guess. Uh, okay. You know, I'll, I'll take it. All right. I'll, well, I'll, I want I to chat. You, where I'm, I'm in, uh, I'll, I'll let you know I'm in Denver uh, today. Okay. I'm here to... Uh, we're, we're rolling out. It's the re- release of a new documentary I'm featured in. Oh, uh, it'll be appearing it on Newsmax Newsmax TV uh, mm-hmm. beginning in October. Uh, okay. It's called A Climate Conversation. It's very, very mm-hmm. high quality, very well done. Uh, might be one of the best, or if not the best documentary on the subject from our perspective. Uh, maybe it's, it's been done, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, I love Um, it. We were just just talking. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get into that. We were just talking before you came on about the auto companies. You know, we're thinking they've got all the money in the world to advertise and things like that. And we've been discussing how good. You know co2 is for the environment and how uh, the industrial revolution basically saved the planet You know the internal combustion engine the steam engine, you know burning organic compounds You know wood coal oil natural gas to put carbon dioxide back in the environment to complete the carbon cycle How come the auto companies don't advertise that say look we are here. We're saving the planet drive a V8 (laughs) You know they could actually market this in the positive What do you think?
3: That's, That's actually not a bad idea uh, but it would fly in the face of what just about everybody. No, you know it. I know it. Maybe your mm-hmm. listeners. Everybody knows it, but the vast majority of people. you know ninety six or eight percent of the people don't buy into that yet. They've not been yeah. exposed to that, and you know, it'd be a great risk for them. But they're taking a great risk anyhow, embracing electric electric vehicles. Uh, I mean, these things are. There's so much so much wrong with this. Uh, uh, EV vehicles and the electric economy. Uh, I just got a connection in Australia, and I hadn't heard of it until I just, just received it, about a huge Tesla battery uh, fire in Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. And all the firefighters were told to back off, just let it burn, uh, because there was no way they were going to put it out. And it's the t- toxic fumes are just horrific coming off of these. Uh, Lithium-ion batteries, uh, and that, so that's that's a real real danger. And I've been talking about this for many years. We're gonna, at some point, there will be an EV fire in some enclosed parking garage that that will end up being horrific. Um, uh, and it a, just hasn't like a time happened yet, thankfully. Yeah. Well, oh my goodness. We had the hurricane. Think of it underneath we, a, a building, huh? Yeah.
0: Well, remember the hurricanes when the, they had a hurricane in Florida, I think last year, and all the electric vehicles—they they all caught fire and you know kind of exploded.
3: Yeah, now there's, there's a lot wrong with it. Uh, yeah. I've got a the, the, the supporter that's uh, big in the automobile dealership business. He runs a large dealership. Uh, we were talking last week. He said that EVs on the on their on their uh, in their floor, or, or that they keep at each dealership, have exceeded ninety-day supply. And he said, "You know, for us, we like to keep it well under thirty-day supply. We want to be moving right. vehicles, and they're just mm-hmm. they're just not moving off the lot. People don't want to buy them. Um, there's there's a big day of reckoning coming in for these uh, these auto uh, manufacturers. And I understand you have someone from the Netherlands on. I uh, yes. just listened to a wonderful young lady." Eva, I'm going to put
0: oh, yeah. her name. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she's a, uh, yeah, Eva Van Yeah, she's one of the people I most want to have dinner with just because she's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but she's brilliant. She's a uh Shield maiden Legal of
3: the th- far right. are calling one, her shield
0: maiden mm-hmm. of the far right. Love it. Oh, really? Oh, well, that's fascinating. Uh, Marcos says, "Oh, here we go. <laughs> He's diving No because he knows. It's like I, she's one of the most beautiful women on the planet. Uh, but I've, I've never, you know, like I said, someone I'd love to talk to. about I mean, how, do you, how often do you get a chance to talk to a, a legal philosopher? You know, or she's got some specialty yeah. that's really interesting. Well, I think I shortchanged you on your video. So let's let's go back to that. The new one that's coming out. What is, do you have? Some new information? Can you break some news for us here, or, or do you want to save it for the video?
3: Well, it's." there's nothing new that breaks in the documentary. It's just that it's, it's, we're going mainstream with our message. It's, uh, it's me uh, uh, and Ken Gregory from friends of science of Canada, mm-hmm. looking at the economics, uh, Ron Stein uh, at, at EVs and, and the, the, just the energy situation where we can't get the net zero. Uh, and then I was talking about the science of climate right. change. Uh, and it's, but the, the big story here is it's a highly professional, uh, well-edited, well, well-produced well documentary that's going mainstream on Newsmax TV. We haven't really seen that. Be- well, we haven't. It's not what we really have. We've, it hasn't happened before. Uh, so we should, you know, we're excited about that. And and the other thing you may not know is I have a new book. Um, oh, we'll be yeah, sending it okay. off for printing next week. Mm-hmm. And the title is... A very convenient warming. How modest warming and more CO2 are benefiting humanity. Bam. And so this is a this is a celebration of warmth and more CO2. And we're taking it right to them in this book. It's I, I'm, I'm really really happy with how how it turned out. If if you liked inconvenient facts, you're going to love a convenient warming. And you can look a little bit more. I've got a new website rolled it out, uh, you can go to convenientwarming.com, convenientwarming.com, and check out the the cover of the book, which I love, and uh, it's really just, again, it's a celebration of how earth's ecosystems are thriving and prospering, and and we, in the human condition, is improving because of that. Uh, I call it the biggest untold story of the late 20th and early 21st century.
0: See, this is where I think you can be really successful is with a positive message, because we hear all the doom and gloom. We have to go electric. We're going to die. We have to get rid of CO2. We're all going to die. Of course, just the opposite is true. But if you can get a positive message you can talk about, you know, the Renaissance happened during a warming period. You know, the Industrial Revolution, you know, puts carbon dioxide back into the air and saved us, you know, and. and, We had a theory that kind of developed here, and it was confirmed by the the, the founder of Greenpeace. I don't know which came first, my theory or his. I don't know if I read it or thought about it or then thought about it and read it. But anyway, the Industrial Revolution came at a time when we had 180 parts per million, 30 parts per million million away from death, you know, 150. Uh, And it's interesting that, uh, that most of the CO2 has come into the atmosphere of late from, you know, internal combustion engines. But that's a good thing. And I, I pulled up the chart of the carbon cycle. I got it from the Encyclopedia Britannica. And what I found, from volcanoes to oceans to land to to uh, human, you know, burning of of what we call organic fuels, the one thing that connects all of those together is the atmosphere. So everything goes through CO two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. would be a useful thing to talk mm-hmm. about too. Have I got that about right? That you the yeah. to, to the atmosphere it, really it just, connects but, the whole but, carbon but,
3: cycle. Let me go ahead. Yeah, oh yeah, but let me correct you on one thing. It was okay uh, the, the it's got to be. We got to get this right. It's 280 at the beginning, not 180. 180 parts per million were, was at the uh, near the end of the last ice advance uh, okay. that it dropped that low. Yeah, feel free and to correct so uh, in 1800, yeah. 1850 was 280. It's it's minor, but let's let's get the numbers right. And so we've we've added 50%. It was 280. We've added about 140. So we're at okay. 420 a parts per million. And so we've added 50%, and that's a good thing. And in the book, I've not heard anybody else talking about this, but fossil fuels are really a natural solar-powered battery that we're just now tapping. Oh, interesting. Uh, because both the, the, the coal that we're using, of course, those were trees that were generated mm-hmm. by uh, photosynthesis that used the sun power, solar power, and oil and gas is derived from uh, mud, organic-rich mud, uh, mainly fueled by uh, phytoplankton blooms, algal blooms that bloomed and died and sank to the bottom, bloomed and died, and over hundreds of thousands of years accumulated into these. And so the phytoplankton also use photosynthesis uh, to fuel their growth. So oil and gas and coal are all fueled by the sun, by photosynthesis. And so these are really the big solar power battery. Uh, so it's releasing a life-giving, beneficial molecule, carbon dioxide. Uh, we should celebrate that and not demonize it.
0: Well, that's that's my point exactly. Positive message, and people need to know that. They need to know. That. This is this is why I don't say fossil fuels anymore. You know, I think of like you know dinosaur bones in, in the movie Jurassic Park. You're not going to you know power your, your 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 you know 747 on dinosaur bones. That's not what, it, that's not what no. we're talking about here. It's organic compounds, phytoplankton, algae, blooms, and everything accumulated over you know, possibly millions of years, but they've locked up all that carbon dioxide. Now, here's a revelation I had that I think you might find interesting, that the, the internal combustion engine uses hydrocarbons. right? So, so organic fuels are hydrocarbons, and they combine with oxygen in your engine, carburetor, fuel injector. So hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen burn. The, carbon, the, the bonds break, releasing energy, powers your vehicle, and what comes out of the tailpipe was is you know CO2 and H2O so it's water vapor and carbon dioxide now back in the 60s you know your big Chevy Impala's you know speed out a lot more junk you know nitrogen monoxide sulfur monoxide and that created the 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 nitrous uh what is it the the nitrogen the acid nitric acid and sulfuric acid that's where the acid rain came from but we took all that stuff out of the cars so now it's mostly carbon dioxide and oxygen and those are good things and it's interesting that that a carbohydrate you know the food that we eat it's the same compounds: carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. And our body burns it and creates energy.
3: And we breathe out carbon yeah, dioxide and water vapor. Oh, yeah. it, it, well, so what's the yeah, difference? We're carbon-based life. Yeah, we're carbon-based yeah. life forms for sure. And and it's one of the one of the primary needed molecules, along with uh, oxygen, water, and carbon dioxide, are the three uh, most needed. The other thing with burning of fossil fuels, I, I find this in my book. I've, I write about this. Uh, CO2, as you know, and your, your listeners know, is driving plant growth and crop growth. Uh, okay. It's also being driven uh, by, by several other things. The warming of the earth is contributing up to maybe 5 or 8% of the crop growth uh, because what, it's leading to longer growing seasons. Uh, also, the, there is nitrogen released in the burning of fossil fuels, and okay. that's leading to an increase in nit- nitrogenous. Uh, and I learned this as I was going through. Some eight percent of the crop growth and, and vegetation growth around the world is because there's more nitrogen available for plants. And the only there's a lot of nitrogen in the air, but the way, this nitrogen uh, is is uh, easily accessible uh, to plants because the only way plants can get it is through their root system and and bacteria that break it down, nodules and such. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really really Thankful and really happy with how this book has turned out. We'll be releasing it. Uh, it should be available at the end of October. Um, and uh, it's. Well, don't know if you come I'll by. Be selling
0: it. Uh, uh, yeah, on my if you website. come by Pensacola for a book, uh, book signing, let me know because <laughs> that's where I am. I'm in Milton, next to Pensacola, Florida. So well, I'm in
3: I'm in Waymama. My home is Waimama County. Where's that? So, uh, which is down south of Tampa. Oh okay. Oh, you moved. I did.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm now
3: in the free state of Florida. But one thing I just <laughs> learned last night, okay. uh, I was watching the, the, the debate, and I learned that Ron DeSantis, I don't go political, but it was very disappointing to hear that uh, a year ago he was backing, or two years ago as it was, he was backing a ban on fracking. I hadn't heard that. I'm going to document that. that. Uh, yeah. And uh, But uh, Doug Bergram probably had the biggest the best line of the, of the debate last night when he said that the true existential threat are the policies of the Biden administration uh, to try and stop a non-existent climate crisis. And that's exactly right. That's, that's the existential threat we're facing.
0: Yeah, people, I, I didn't know what that meant. I had to look it up. It's a threat to your existence. <laughs> people, you know, they, they throw that phrase around like crazy. Uh, I didn't watch that. I watched the Trump speech. And it was fascinating because he was talking about electric cars and losing the jobs. That's why I had the comment about uh, uh, the, the car companies and all those other associated companies. They should make this a positive, you know, that, that uh, releasing carbon is good. So, you know, buy a V8, you know, save your country. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, why are they doing this? Let's, let's talk about the, the, the evil side of this. Uh, you know, I've heard, you know, it, it, all, all climate change leads to communism. Uh, it's, it, you know, you look at the climate change plans, you look at smart growth in the 90s, you look at all this stuff. It's all the same thing. Getting rid of the single-family home, getting rid of the the passenger vehicle, you know, coordinating people into you know little 15-minute cities that the government can control. Why, what, other than their own power, is there any reason you can think of why this big push for green energy, uh, for trying to get rid of the carbon that saves our lives? Why are they doing this?
3: Yeah, I get asked that a lot, and and okay. uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I tell everybody is I got just most of my interviews I do and I do a lot that I get asked that at some point. And Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I, I don't know. I, I can, I can guess, but but I'll tell you, I can't see inside men's and women's souls to see what their motivation is. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I am a scientist. My job is to tell you this is what they're telling you and here's Mm -hmm. what the truth is. And Mm -hmm. you know, you Greg and all of your listeners are just as qualified as I am to say why they're doing it, uh, aren't you? You're you're you might be more qualified uh, than I am to say why they're doing it. You know, I hear control, power, funding, money. Uh, it, you know, p- some people say it's that uh, these people are trying to get rid of uh, and collapse Western civilization and capitalism. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of all these things. Uh, But what we do know is Mm -hmm. that your listeners are being lied to, and they're being lied to on a daily and hourly basis about the dangers of carbon dioxide and global warming. Uh, In my new book, I explore one of my favorite subjects, which is the correlation between the rise and fall of temperature and the rise and fall of civilizations. And what we find is that Uh, Looking back over the last 5,000 or so years to the first great civilizations, the other three warming periods were always correlated to just hugely beneficial uh, effects to mankind during the warm periods that were much warmer than today. um, Mm -hmm. Great civilization empires rose up. And we saw that the first great one was the, the Minoan warm period, the Bronze Age, and that was mm-hmm. the time of the uh, the Hittites, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and the Indus River Valley it was the great Harappan uh, Empire and civilization that rose up there. Uh, all of these prospered. Food was bountiful. Again, it was a lot warmer than it is today. Uh, so how warm was it? In do, you, crop do you know how millet. warm it was?
0: 120, 130 yeah, degrees? degrees.
3: How, how, how warm was it?
0: Can you measure that?
3: Well, we, we know from historical records. We have some... We use some of the what we call proxy data that can give us a relative uh, amounts. But if we look at, I like to use historical data because uh-huh. people understand that better than carbon, oxygen isotopes versus you know C fourteen. <laughs> nobody right. under, nobody understands that. But if I tell you that they were growing a crop called millet in Scandinavia, that mm-hmm. can only mm-hmm. be grown today in subtropical regions. It had okay. You go. Oh yeah, it had to have been a lot warmer uh, yeah. because they're growing millet, millet in Scandinavia. So it was at least two degrees centigrade, which is three and a half degrees Fahrenheit warmer at that time uh, in yeah. that area. Uh, so, but again, it, then it started getting cold, and it got cold pretty quickly. And they think within maybe fifty or one hundred years, all of those civilizations collapsed and empires, with the exception right. of the of the old Egypt kingdom, and they barely survived by the skin of their teeth. Uh, but all the great civilizations collapsed at the same time as they were going into their cold period. And we see that that's repeated time and time again throughout history. Warm good, cold bad. Almost every, well not almost, every single major cooling period was associated with crop failure, famine, pestilence, mm-hmm. and mass depopulation. Things were really bad. Uh, during those times and uh, we need to we need to let people know that history tells us welcome the warmth and fear the cold. that'd be a great meme that, that we could share and and
0: you could just document you know the the warming periods of the hittites and and the cooling periods of the, the middle ages the dark ages and the plague and and the warming period of the renaissance i appreciate the renaissance was warming period right so that was like 1500s
3: yeah uh yeah, I'm not sure when the Renaissance was the medieval medieval warm period was the height of the middle ages okay um, and so that that was that was great time that was again food was bountiful, several seven or five hundred years of warming, and then it got cold into the little ice age, which was we we were great records of the little ice age that stretched from twelve fifty to prob- maybe eighteen fifty uh, five hundred years of cold.
0: Um, right, those are dark was, times.
3: Was, again, things were, things were things conquest
0: wars. Oh yeah. yeah,
3: and it was a lot. It was a lot colder. For example, if you go to Mount Vernon today, George Washington's home, uh, uh-huh. he had he built a nice house. Martha Washington loved to have ice in her in her drinks for the summer, and so <laughs> they would go down to the Potomac, and he'd have his enslaved workers cut blocks of ice out of the thick ice on the Potomac, and, and bring it up to. It happened every year. So this, right. but it only happens. I think the last time was it froze over like that once in, in the nineteen eighties, and you know it's, it's just an extremely rare occurrence today. But back oh, in the Thames time, Thames in
0: London, they were ice skating on the Thames. You know, back in the eighteen You hundreds,
3: don't do that anymore, right? And that hasn't, yeah, and that well, the, the last event like that was eighteen twenty, and <laughs> so uh, we, we know it was very cold and it was very deadly uh, during that. This most recent cold period, the Little Ice Age. Uh, up to a third of the population of the world perished during that time. Again, oh. it's because of crop failure. And we go, you know, we. I got to say, I always laugh. My, we, we talked about the uh, the Babylonians, the Hittites, the Assyrians mm-hmm. that all collapsed. And my my gosh, she my my late mother-in-law used to used to tell me she she loved history. She says, if you want to tell a joke and not offend anybody. You started out by two Hittites walked into a bar, All right, Because nobody's <laughs> seen a Hittite in three thousand <laughs> yeah. years. Nobody's yeah. yeah, there have been Hittites for thousands of years, and uh, that's funny. Always, whenever I hear Hittites, I, I remember her telling me that.
0: Yeah, two yeah, Babylonians, two you know,
3: passed by a pub.
0: Uh, usually, it's Irish, but anyway, that's a different story. Um, fact number fourteen from your your website, CO2Coalition dot when the next ice age descends upon us, it will be a true climate apocalypse, accompanied by crop failures, famine, mass immigration from colder to warmer regions, and unprecedented population loss. What's the latest on 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 the, the end of this warming and, and interglacial versus? You got another thing here, uh, glacial warming periods. I'll ask you about that in a bit. But what's 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 the bad news? What, you know, and what do we what, is it well, inevitable? The, fa- we the
3: bad don't news know or what? Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's inevitable. It's just when is it going okay. to occur? We can't stop these these huge events are unstoppable, and that's right. what we should be we should be preparing. We shouldn't be pre- preparing uh, for uh, unprecedented warming that's going to lead to catastrophes. Uh, if that was going to happen, why haven't we seen some indication of that by now? Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it, we might be headed into one right now. For all we know. It might not come for 50 or 100 years, maybe a little longer, but it's going to come. And what does it, it won't be as bad as the previous uh, cold periods because we're not moving food around by ox cart and we have refrigeration, but you're still going to have, you can't prevent the crop failure that they saw. Uh, and it's, that's that's what we should be preparing for. For, And, and yet one other thing that, that's fascinating to me is, the sea level rise we hear about uh, mm-hmm. just 2 weeks ago the island nations around the world banded together for a lawsuit in the Hague um they were they were suing the wealthy western countries for rep- climate reparations because they were all <laughs> going to be underwater okay oh, please. so it was the island of the Maldives is listed as the United Nations as the most at risk island because the highest point is 14 feet above sea level oh, and wow. sea levels are yeah. rising okay yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. how fast is it rising? Seven inches a year, okay? And they say they're going to be underwater in in a couple of decades. Well, 15,000 years ago, those islands were also just above sea level. And in that time period, sea level has risen 400 feet, okay? So they're going to say they're going to – they tell us they're going to be underwater by 2050. Well, by Uh 2050, sea level will rise approximately two inches, okay? So – Think about this. The last 400 feet of sea level rise didn't put the islands on, underwater. water. That next two inches, look out, they brother. Uh, <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna, and it, it, these islands, the reason they're growing, it's a, a geologic process known as accretion, um, okay. where the islands actually, uh, as storms come in, they wash gravels and sands and the crushed corals up onto the island, uh, And the island grows. And that's why these islands have – you've not heard that, have you? No, no, this is interesting. These islands? Yeah, so these islands, we've seen 400 feet of of sea level rise in the last 15,000 years. But But here here we are. Yeah. None of them underwater.
0: Interesting. Let me – got a couple of questions on on, uh, some more recent phenomena. And then I have to to go
3: at the bottom of the hour. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I, I'm sort of I'm up for that. I
0: pretty much asked the, the big questions already, just to, just to make sure of those. And, and we've we've talked about books and videos and anything else we need to talk about. Make sure just let me know. I will get contact information before you're gone. But uh, hurricanes, uh, the, the 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 climate you know misinformers uh, or the climate disinformation bureau, let's call them that, uh, have said, well, the increase in climate change is causing more hurricanes. We've had one this year, and it was a bad one. I'm not you know taking away from that, but this has been a pretty common year for hurricanes. What do you think?
3: Yeah, there there are indications that actually warming and we're in a warming trend actually adds instability to the upper uh, the upper higher atmosphere that really disrupts these tornadoes. Uh, we are oh. seeing warming of the seas, but we're not seeing more tornadoes. In fact, the best way if you want to look at tornadoes for the United States or really anywhere, look for landfalling uh, tor- uh, yeah tornadoes, no hurricanes. Look, landfalling hurricanes because we know every single landfalling hurricane uh, that's made landfall in the United States since back, going back to 1850 or before, right. and using that information, we can tell we can state pretty categorically that hurricanes are in slight decline. Landfalling hurricanes uh, have been in decline for 150 plus years. Uh, they're not increasing, which is what we're being told, uh, and their intensity. Uh, there's, there are claims that there's uh, some intensity increase. Uh, Christopher Lancey, who, who actually, kudos to him. He quit his job at NOAA because he mm-hmm. was saying they didn't approve what he was saying. He was telling the truth. And they were, they were censoring him, and he said, no, thank you, he, and he walked away. But according to his data, he said there might be a 1% increase in the intensity of storms. Okay, let's say he's right. Mm-hmm. So we have a hurricane that comes on. Uh, hurricane Gregory makes landfall. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you're, I don't think you're going to know the difference if Hurricane Gregory is at uh, 120 miles per hour or 121 miles per hour. Uh, yeah. It's not really going to make a big difference. A one yeah. percent increase in intensity, and it's not even sure that he, we're, we're sure that he's actually correct. But again, to his credit, um, well, before so we, I- we go to we've had. Yeah. Uh we, we've launched a new education initiative at the CO2 Coalition. Uh-huh. Uh we've got uh we've got a, I'm so proud of what we've done. Uh you can learn more at co2learningcenter.com, co2learningcenter.com. We have wonderful comics. These are science-based books. Uh and videos that are there. Science-based videos, science-based books that are easy to read, they're entertaining, they have done manga and anime style, uh, and importantly, we have lesson plans that go along with these. These lesson plans were done by Dr. Sharon Camp, uh, who has a Ph.D. In, in analytic chemistry. She's an AP science teacher and reader. Uh, she's developed these lesson plans for homeschoolers uh, and charter schools, whoever wants to use them. Uh, they've, they've gotten great reviews, so you can get the material at co 2 Learning Center dot uh, com. We've got a lot more coming out uh, related to that.
0: No, that's really important. I was just going to ask you about the homeschool. Uh, if you can time with the homeschool networks, you know, in, in all the states, uh, and, and the school of choice folks, to to this should be part of a curriculum. You know, if you can make this every bit of part of a curriculum that the government schools are teaching exactly the opposite, this is really good. Uh, and anything that that can, you know, we we need to normalize CO2. We need to to not have this be, you know, be the exception, be the outlying scientist saying one thing and everybody else is saying something else. We need to make them be the the, the folks that are completely wrong and, and, and demonize, you know, these people who are lying about the climate. Um, I just, one more question if I can real quick, and then we'll get contact information. Dr. John Clouser. I saw you talk about yep. him on One American News. Tell me about that. What happened with him?
3: Well, we re- he, he he we recruited him to join the CO2 coalition. He now sits on our board of directors. He's the current Nobel laureate, 2020, 2022 Nobel laureate in physics. And uh, interestingly, after he accepted his award, pocketed the check, and then he told the committee how wrong they were for (laughs) awarding the past Nobel Prize to these climate models who who weren't physicists, and they got the climate modeling wrong. And he he lectured them that – and then he was uh, honored at the White House by Joe Biden for winning the Nobel uh, – being a a Nobel laureate. And afterwards, he shook Joe Biden's hand. He said, sir – your science that you're using for energy and climate policy is just wrong. And Joe told him, he says, "You're just spouting right-wing science." So Joe <laughs> Biden's lecturing the Nobel laureate in physics on science. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's Joe.
0: But this is And so, John different... John's
3: been outspoken. Yeah. He's he's been uh-huh. entirely outspoken. Uh, he went to Quantum Korea for quantum physics conference, and he talked to the students there. Uh, One of the things that's really resonated, he just stated firmly, there is no climate crisis. And he he called the IPCC one of the greatest uh, sources of misinformation out there. Uh, He's not holding back at all.
0: I love it. It's the bottom of the hour. I know you probably have another interview to do, but uh, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Uh, Do you want to give your contact information one more time, and then I promise to get you out of here
3: now. Okay, so we've got CO2 Learning Center, or excuse me, CO2coalition.org. My new book you can look at is convenientwarming.com, convenientwarming.com. It will be available hopefully end of October. Uh, But you can learn a little bit more about it if you go to that website.
0: Gregory Rystone, thank you so much. Give another round of applause. Keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much, Greg. Bye now. Thank
0: you, Gregory. Take care. Bye now. Yeah, it's uh, things get pretty critical time wise, um, and so he is very busy and doing a lot more interviews. Uh, Pianki, let's, let's make your line live a little bit. I'm going to take a break in a couple minutes, huh? But uh, just initial reaction, uh, I think we covered everything. I think we might have missed the 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 uh, uh, the thing on the slowing um, of the Earth, but I, I didn't really feel we had enough time to justify that, given the time available. But uh, that was a lot of good information. I had no idea about the the islands, you know, accreting you know, building themselves up. Priyanka, have you heard that before? Let's see if we can get it back in here. Unmute. He's unmuted on my end. He's probably muted on his end. Okay, let's tell you what. Let me, uh, let me take another break here, play a couple more things that I have to play. And then it is now 8.31, and then we got uh, CJ joining us at the top of the hour. Uh, so let's see what I haven't played yet. Uh, let's go here. Well, that sounds good. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic, and is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around health insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. dedicated to fixing everything. Yeah, working on it. <laughs> we don't have a climate change bill, though. Strangely enough, it's it's the one it's one the one area that uh, we don't have a lot of. I should talk to Gregory about that. Uh he's busy enough, but maybe someone on his staff we can have a uh like a climate change policy change or, or some kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, in fact, we were working before with one of our previous host reporters on an electric car bill, including electric car tax, you know, uh, and uh, equivalent to like the gas tax would be like a voltage tax um, and uh, hazmat. My idea was a hazmat on the battery and things like that. But to electric cars, really, I, there's nothing good that comes out of them. So I don't understand, other than power and control, is to put everything under electricity because uh, then the government can regulate everything. That's, that's my thought is that if your car is electric, your house is electric, your stove is electric, uh, your light bulbs are what they want, you know, uh, the, you know pretty soon they're going to get rid of the gas grill. That was my next speculation. They're going to go after barbecues. You go after barbecues, you've got a problem with America. Okay? America's like to grill, all right? Uh, but uh, why not? It's gas. It's anything, anything that's organic fuel. And this is something that Gregory pointed out that I think is critical, uh, is that uh, this is natural. This, this is solar power. Solar power plus photosynthesis plus carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, the building blocks of life. When we're burning organic fuels, we're basically replacing what the sun created. We're just maintaining the carbon cycle. And I really think that's 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 where they should put the emphasis, is talking about how good this is, how it's a good thing to replace carbon dioxide, how we can use a lot more of it, how it's no problem. Now, if you could take out the other pollutants, or take, excuse me, let me say, take, take out the pollutants from burning uh, and you know uh, hydrocarbons. You know the 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 nitri- Well, the nitrogens, I guess, are pretty good. He was talking about uh, nitrogen in the air, um, but uh, in a form that the plants can use. So that has to get underground. So that's that's different. But take all the stuff that that's, that was bad. In fact, they did that. Catalytic converters and uh, cleaner fuels and other things like that. At you know have taken out most of the the bad stuff that comes out of the, that used to come out of the tailpipe. You know back in the sixties. I love those cars, <laughs> but that's another story. Uh, you, can always, you can always, you can smell the difference. I, I got passed by a, a 1972 Dodge Dart the other day, and we stole own one back in 1972 when we first got to this country. And I remember that the, the aroma of the exhaust, because there's a lot more stuff in it, because it did not take out the, the, the chemicals. Now, there aren't enough 1972 Dodge Darts around to worry about in terms of polluting the air. Uh, but the fact is that uh, once they stopped releasing all the bad stuff, you don't hear about acid rain anymore. There's a reason. Because the chemicals that made acid rain are not coming out the tailpipes anymore. There's a reason you don't hear about a lot of other pollutants, about the the buildings turning brown and, uh, you know, all the different – and ruining the stat, – well, statues are being taken down. But, uh, you know, there used to be a big problem with uh, pollution was, was changing the face of the buildings and, you know, turning all the copper statues green and doing all kinds of – you don't hear about that anymore because uh, the stuff's taken out of the tailpipes. So you can have clean oh, – All yeah. organ- Go ahead, Piankic. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: The exhaust gases out of cars today is hotter than what they were today. That's why they got they put catalytic converters on. Them. A catalytic right. converter what? keeps the exhaust gases coming out of the manifold hotter in order to burn off more of the raw gases. That's why it comes, you don't see cars going down emitting black smoke like it used to.
0: Yeah, that was my next question: was what do they actually do? So, catalytic a catalyst is something that, that, that creates a reaction. You know, you put salt in water, it boils faster because the the ions of salt, the sodium and the chloride ions produce a reaction faster. So uh, that's people put salt in water, they don't know why, but that's what happens. So a catalytic converter, what, what what does it do in a car? It converts, you know, pollutants to non, to to like inorganic things or, or innocuous and things by extra heat. Hotter. The right. gas
1: is a hotter, and therefore you burn up more stuff rather than emitting it out the back
0: end. So unburned so, fuel, uh, so, uh, so uh, now our cars better about not having as much unburned fuel because you know, a, car- a carburetor is incredibly inefficient. You know, So it would be wasting, you have gasoline coming out the tailpipe, <laughs> it's gasoline vapor. That's a lot of what you're smelling. But so now that you're saying well, that's being burnt now?
1: If, you, if you're driving down that highway at a constant speed, it's fine. But when you're driving in cities where you own the gas, off the gas, on the gas, off the gas, where well, that transition doesn't Mm -hmm. happen immediately it takes time so that's why you have a lot of gases unburned fuel even no matter how efficient the the fuel systems are you still don't have that
0: yeah so do hybrids make sense in town because they seem to for me you know like i say i I have to think about the the fact you know you're saying there's really nothing good about the hybrids either don't don't aren't they a more uh efficient and better way of, of transporting in a city where it is stop and go all the time so they can use that energy? Well, I've never studied hybrids that much, Greg. Uh, okay. Well, here's how I understand it. The, the, uh, the braking action, I charge the battery. It's like a dynamo. So the resistance, so when you put the brake on a hybrid, um, you, there's like a dynamo that uses that extra power to charge the battery. So as you're decelerating, you're charging the battery. As you're accelerating, you're, you know, you're using the, uh, the electric motor to get going, and then at some point the gasoline motor kicks in. So you're still burning gasoline, but you're burning, you know, a third, uh, maybe, as, or a half to a third as much as you'd burn in a, in a regular car. And when when the a hybrid gets to a light, it just shuts off. And then when you hit the electric motor, it starts again. Well, you know, the, we greatest of
1: is, uh-huh. the greatest example is that is The greatest example is that is diesel locomotives. Uh-huh. They have uh, the engine turns a generator that uh, operates motor, electric motors that turn the wheels. Hmm. But they still have to have those uh, thousand gallon tanks,
0: right? Because you got, to, you, got, uh, to, you, got to, you got to power yeah. the generator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cruise ships do that now. The the cruise ships are all, they're all electric motors, but they're powered by diesel generators, and they still have smoke coming out the the funnel, <laughs> you know. So, uh, uh, but they used to have coal back in the in the old days. The Titanic they had a coal fired. It was really inefficient. They had to shovel coal into the into the boilers. Ugh. And, you know, I'm sure that's a short lifespan.
1: You know, when ships come into port, they have uh, mechanisms that they contain that exhaust compared to what it was before.
0: Oh, really? I mean, when they're out
1: in the open, nothing you can do out there in the wide open space, ocean space. But
0: but it doesn't matter either. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter, you know, because that stuff we thought was, was so bad. But again, I'm sure there's a catalytic converter equivalent, you know, so you're not spewing raw fuel. Uh, from the from the engines from the diesel generators, but you know the ships today well, see, are incredible. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. See now, a diesel engine, diesel uh, don't use spark plugs. Right. They are paying the heat by the compression. And so when the piston comes up and compresses the air, the air temperature gets up to a certain temperature. Then it scorched some diesel fuel in there. It ignites and explodes and pushes the piston back down. And that's transferred into rotation to turn the wheels.
0: Yeah. So diesel. I'm not as familiar with diesel. But let's talk about that for a minute because I find it fascinating that uh, you look at the biggest. The trucks use diesel. The trains use diesel. The ships use diesel for their generators now. But these use diesel for the, the engines. You know. So so you know, Mister Diesel. You know, over in Germany, who invented or came up with the fuel? How is diesel fuel different from gasoline? What, what do they do differently with it? Do you know? The way so you
1: get more power out of diesel than you do gasoline. That gasoline mm-hmm. is highly volatile, so a lot of goes up in evaporation, and so on, so on, so on. You can get pre ignition, but you can't get that out of diesel because diesel engine compresses the air to a greater extent, causing the temperature to rise. Then you inject some diesel fuel in there and cause an explosion, and right. those is repeated.
0: But it's a slower acting fuel. Like gasoline's more immediate. You know, if you have a gasoline, you know, pickup truck next to a diesel pickup truck, the gasoline truck's going to beat it. But the diesel's going to be more efficient over the long haul. So it takes a little spool up time. The diesel so don't
1: have uh, the chemicals in it that gasoline does. You know, you could uh, oh, and see around this time of the year, the uh, mm-hmm. the refinery starts switching over and start putting additives in gasoline that will. Permit it to operate better in your colder regions, like up north. Now, with diesel fuel, diesel fuel will gelify in real cold weather, so you right. have to have heaters, electrical heat. For instance, nighttime when you're not using the, the a diesel uh, engine, you have to plug it in to provide heat right. to keep the crankcase heat heated up, so that when you go to start it up, it you know it'll turn over.
0: We used to do it with airplanes when I learned to fly in New England when it was, you know, sub-zero temperatures, you know, they had preheat. So they'd blast warm air into the engine to warm up the oil so it would actually move uh and then we could start mm-hmm. the engines, You know, so uh yeah, yeah. I never want I never want to live in a place again where I have to have preheat for the engine. <laughs> I'm sorry, It's just too cold. Chipping an airplane. And another out of ice thing and, with gasoline yeah. on uh-huh. real
1: hot days, you get what's called a, a fuel locks, in other words
0: vapor lock the gas
1: in the line vapor lock
0: yeah, yeah. Vapor lock vapor lock, oh.
1: the gas in the line would vaporize into a, a mm-hmm. vapor, and that's why I come uh you have to sit there for a while and mm-hmm. rub your engine to get that vapor out of your line so it's not the car stall in the newer engines I haven't had too much experience with that, but the,
0: I don't think the I don't engine, think um. Fuel injected engines get a vapor lock because they don't have the same lines. Yeah, they, they, do. Oh, they do have. They do still have vapor lock. You got lines
1: just... run from the. You got lines okay. run from the tank.
0: Huh.
1: And along the along the line, the concrete radiates heat up and heats the lines up, and thus you have a little vapor. My car does that. Now, does that now?
0: Yeah, interesting. That's well, my first saw <laughs> story on a hot day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're in a colder climate. I like being in Florida. Well, it was interesting. The um, you know, the the as much as we're optimistic about carbon dioxide, the uh, the idea that when this warming period ends, you know, is, you know, I, I didn't re, again the, some of the more in depth questions we talk about, like uh, if there's anything good that the the globalists are are doing in their own mind, if they think they reduce the population, then we we're not going to have that apocalypse when the world actually does cool. And I don't know if they're looking that far ahead, uh, or they're just you know taking away our carbon dioxide because they want to kill people anyway because they want a smaller population so they can manage it. So I'm not sure. And, and again, like Gregory says, you can't look into their, their hearts and souls and, and know why they're doing what they're doing. But what's interesting is everybody is asking that same question. That was the most interesting to me. So people are questioning. People are like, uh, yeah, this uh, climate change stuff you keep bragging about, uh, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, things are fine, well, especially you know, this the, year. Uh, you
1: know. These things will change because there's natural things that the Earth do in its profession, right. uh, the poles, shift a little bit one way you know that yourself but right. uh and you're flying but uh, these things happen That's, and they have gotten into the pattern that it is in order to uh then all of a sudden along comes life that adapts to it but uh you know present life haven't been around that long to yeah. see the natural changes that the earth go to Just because life comes along don't mean that Earth is going to stop going through its natural changes. At some point in time, uh, life is going to, I mean, it's going to have to step aside. That's just the way it is.
0: Well, and think about that. That, This would be a good time to be looking for other planets or, you know, or having a natural, you know, reduction in the population. Because if we see this coming, uh, and it may take, like you said, a couple hundred years or, or several thousand years. That's kind of, anyway, we don't have to worry about it. But a few generations down the way, yeah, they might have to worry about it if it comes you know, earlier. Like I say, it's a 10 to 15,000-year cycle. So we have you know, from now until the next you know, 4,000 years approximately. So anytime within that time, things could cool down. If they start cooling down, it's gonna, the ice is going to be forming from the North Pole South and the South Pole North. And the, the, the Earth is, you know, the, the populations are going to gradually compress closer and closer to the equator. That's part of the reason I moved to Florida was that I heard about this and I heard things are going to get cool. The last thing I wanted to be is, is in a crowded California Bay area with uh, things getting cooler and shortages. I, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I want to be where there's growing, where there's farms, where there's, you know, uh, so I went to small town Florida, although it's getting bigger now, but that's part of the reason I moved here was to get away from a, big well, thing all those things and get to a warmer part of the country. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: All those things is like, a, it, they happen. Like I like I may mention, when you build cities with tall, large buildings, uh-huh. you know, you're turning in an atmosphere and it does slow down the rotation of the earth. It's just natural. And if you just slow it down, the areas are going to be exposed to the sun longer than what they was much, much, much previously. So that there's a natural thing.
0: Yeah. I want to see a source on that. Uh, I'd be really curious because you know what a source
1: I, is. You ever watch a ice skater? Yeah. When they twirling, when their arms are out, they twirl slow. When they want to speed up, they bring their arms across in toward their tr- chest. Right. There's no resistance, so they spin right. like a they they spin fast.
0: Well, well, the it's also thing no thing. centrifugal these, force.
1: Oh, I tell you something else too. Mountain ranges they cause the earth to slow down a little bit.
0: Well, see, now this is this is a curiosity to me. So, I, and, and the reason I'm asking about that is things slow down because of air resistance. But if the air is moving at the same speed as the Earth is, the atmosphere is turning with the Earth. This is well, now I'm you're going
1: air. in there. the air is not moving. The air is. You got different levels. Up at it's 80,000 feet, 60,000 feet. You may have air currents going one direction. You come down, they go another direction.
0: Oh yeah, it's like east, ninety degree difference. Coriolis, yes, yeah, so, yeah. Coriolis changes right. the direction, like ninety degrees up to the several thousand feet. Oh yeah. So the winds are changing. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, yeah, that's true too. That makes an interesting effect. That, like I say, I'm looking for, uh, I'm looking for graphs and charts and, and some kind of a source. Uh, like I said, it's not that I don't believe you. I just I, I want to get more information on this because I'm thinking yeah, if the atmosphere ahead. is moving, if the atmosphere is moving with uh, the Earth then the air is stable above a place except for the high and low pressure areas in the wind. So it, and that's, that's independent of gravity. That's, that's pressure difference, but the gravity is holding the, the atmosphere over the earth. You know, it's like uh, the difference between airspeed and ground speed, right? So, uh, you know, 747 flying at, uh, 600 knots, you know, uh, you know, what causes
1: airflow, don't you? Through the air, the sun,
0: uh, right? Well, yeah, heating and cooling, rising and falling air. So when the so, sun, so,
1: the sun uh-huh. rises in the east, right? Uh-huh. So when the sun rises in the east, it causes convection currents upward, mm-hmm. which creates a low pressure area that causes air on the west to move toward that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The earth yep. is turning from east to west, but the air is are going from west to east.
0: Oh no, and I agree with you. Yeah. So so the sun heats the earth, and certain areas cause air to rise. Well, if air rises one place, if it descends at the place that's cool, well, the air that descends then moves to the air that's rising. <laughs> that's called wind. And then the air up top it moves in to, re-
1: to replace that, that yeah. low pressure. area.
0: Right, and then if you the didn't top do area. that,
1: people's ears would burst, and they and and then they have human beings would have problems if you didn't maintain that 15 pounds to square an inch.
0: Yeah, I thought it was 14. Maybe it's 14. Point something. All right, let's just say 15. Yeah, 14. Um, and, right yeah, whatever, Somewhere in there. Yeah. Just, but you know, listen to Gregory's. So or you might as well get our numbers right. <laughs> it's, it's kind of worn off on me. Anyway. That's why um,
1: some when temperatures get up around yeah. 100 and. You know, you're, when when your thermal, when you put a ther- mm-hmm. thermometer in your body and your temperature is uh, starting getting up around 108, you did 98.6 is normal.
0: Yeah, well, this one answer the question about how how warm was it, and I, I don't know if he he sort of said like two to three degrees, you know, uh, Celsius warmer. Well, that's like five, you know, to eight degrees Fahrenheit. Maybe let's just see five degrees. So in other words, a five. So we're talking about a difference of only five degrees, you know, between the Hittites and the Bronze Age, and and the the the, um, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, you know, where the brave knights would uh, you know beat each other to death and fall down, you know, and the plague and everything else that was happening, uh, the oppressions, the feudalism, the whole bit. So in the dark times of human history, we're only talking about a five degree temperature difference. That's fascinating. In the yeah. morning, if a, yeah. In the morning, if the summers were longer and the winters shorter, uh, but the, he says the growing seasons were longer, which means the summers had to be longer. So that's interesting. So how did you know? Um, I, I'm just curious. I mean, well, that, that's the in those that's areas, the,
2: they
1: have more growing periods. You know, in Africa, you may have three growing periods, whereas here in the United States, you have basically one.
0: Yeah. Well, in where, Europe is probably less than that. Mm-hmm. Where are the big agricultural centers of Africa? Which countries really grow lots of uh, produce? Uh, mostly the south. Wherever
1: countries. there's rivers, the Nile, the Nile River Nile was a fertile. The, the Tigris-Euphrates was fertile, fertile crescent they call.
0: Them. That's the Middle East though. That was that was uh, Iraq. What's now Iraq was Mesopotamia. Tigris and Euphrates flow <laughs> through there. That's like that's of the old. That's Babylon. We're going way back. But you see now, he knows about some of these ancient civilizations. That's more your province too. So if you ever get a chance to, to uh, you know, I'd love to know some of it, like, like a timeline of the ancient civilizations. And we should do a timeline of, of the temporary. There probably is one. I'm uh, sure. And they the go CO2 way coalition. back.
1: This uh, where you yeah. have the, what we call the Sphinx. It hasn't rained in those areas in 15,000 years, so they say. Wow. I've been in people's homes see? in uh, southern Egypt around Aswan. Where you go in the living room, it's open to the sky, and there's no roof because it never rains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you uh, have you seen on uh, the Action Radio Environmental Project? Uh, I found a picture of Cairo on uh, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. built. a picture. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that picture is accurate. Yeah, it might it might not be, but it's just kind of interesting. I made a joke about our our own Santa Rosa County uh, commissioners want uh, you know our county to look like that. You know, in other words, all developed, no trees, no nothing. But uh, you know, one of my friends said, "Well, wait a minute, it, it, you know, it never rains here. There's no water." I said, "Cairo is on the Nile. You know, it, it's on the Nile Delta. It's one of the most fertile places on the planet. So if they don't have any water in Cairo, yeah, yeah. it's my choice. You know, it's because they don't you have any fly irrigation
1: over uh-huh. that area, and you along the Nile." From the Nile back in, they go 10 miles, maybe even not that far, where it's green. That's because it's where farmers irrigate. And they divert the flow of the river, right. and um, they use that to irrigate their crops. Now you go beyond that, you're in deserts.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that the Nile does not evaporate before it gets to uh, the ocean. It has to be the Mediterranean.
1: Yeah, it's it's it empties into the
0: Mediterranean. Okay, all right, interesting. You know why doesn't the Suez Canal dry up? <laughs> it can't be that deep, or maybe it does. Maybe they have to make Well, the, the Suez
1: Canal is man-made. Matter of fact, the engineer that designed it designed the Panama Canal, and uh, that's why because the Moses story is, is fictitional. Because if it was during his period there wouldn't have been no Suez Canal, so why would he have to part? The Red Sea, when he could have walked about another twenty miles north and walked around in dry land.
0: That's a Wendy question. <laughs> I, I will direct. You, I will defer to Wendy on that one. Yeah. So we we need our biblical scholar uh, uh, on that kind of stuff. But, but uh, I don't
1: like to. I don't like to. I don't like to debate them. Let them have their show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fine. Well, no, and you'll notice that I, I don't, you know, encourage. Uh, I mean, I encourage debate, but not argumentative or or unnecessarily. You know, there's certain people I don't put together on the, at the same show. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not going to put Josie and Bianca on the same hour. I'm just not. <laughs>
1: that would not be pretty. Yeah.
0: You know, but because uh, they you, you know, know the but,
1: the word he was supposed to across the depth is about uh, over
0: 2,000
1: feet, and the width of the, war, the width of the sea at that point well the, a slope to come out of the the bottom where they would have been leveled, which wouldn't have last long because they would have to start another slope to get back up to dry to the to the land uh-huh. and horses can't do that
2: well horses not going to
1: go down horses can only go down a slope so much, pulling a wagon cause the wagon to run over yeah,
0: <laughs> I remember the um Something I remember reading somewhere that the sea actually was the reed sea, that so they had reeds that were parted, not water. So they had to go around reeds. Now, I don't know how much truth there is. I don't know where. It's just something that sparked in my memory. Um, but reeds there might be don't some...
1: grow out in the middle of the river.
0: Well, that's what I was thinking. They that, were on the if that's
1: the case, the reed would have to be as tall as 100 feet or more, and then it the just don't have.
0: Yeah. Well, and this is something, too, that, uh, you know, things that are talked about in the Bible. You know, the idea of Noah's, what, 800 years old? I, I find that hard to believe. Um, you know, putting all the animals, you know, on one ark, I find that hard to believe. And I'm wondering how much of it's, uh, you know, again, not to offend Wendy, um, but how much and is metaphorical? If and how covered, much, yeah.
1: If water covered everything on Earth, what's the elevation of uh,
0: Mount Everest? Mount Everest? 30, 32,000 feet.
1: Okay, so if water was and water seeks its own level, that means water all around the earth would have to be at least that deep. That, that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: okay, if that's the case, what's the temperature mm-hmm. at the elevation of Mount Everest?
0: Oh, it's cold. It's frozen. So it's about the below frozen. zero. Well, or more. So I his mean, boat
1: that... would need his boat would have need ice skates. <laughs>
0: yeah, so you saying you saying that the ark was an ice boat?
1: Well, the whores would have been in block ice,
0: okay, but if it was the thirty two thousand feet there's no oxygen up there. everybody would have died
1: there's no there's no oxygen up there either
0: you you lose
1: your oxygen around eight thousand feet,
0: yeah, so now we got a problem
1: getting so yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, so how much of the earth was so here's a question oh this would be a great question for Wendy, so how much of the earth had to be flooded? for life to be sustained. Well, it
1: would have been the whole earth. See, the water seeks its own level, right? Sea level in, uh, off the West coast of East coast of Africa, the same sea level as it is off of the coast of Miami. It seeks its own level. Right. Right. So, so what what was the drinking water? Yeah. It wouldn't be all, they didn't have ships.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. So all it, it, it would have
1: been salt water. Yep. And they didn't have no insulated ships, so if they had to carry water on the drink, then you take enough space for an animal. And how did the poor old turtles, North American turtles, t- turtle make it there in time to catch the boat?
0: Well, then so the the sea animals weren't on the ark, so all all the sea critters were were, were doing fine, and then the the fish in the lakes, unless it was frozen, were doing fine. Well, but the question is, how how high, how much water would have to be generated? <laughs> To to allow for the flood, you know, where all life was put on one arc. I mean, it's an interesting question You know, and we, yeah, we, we like the to yeah.
1: turtles wouldn't have been able to crawl that fast the sloths Yeah, you know, there's animal that uh, you know, there were giant sloths too They like slow motion, man It'd Take them forever oh, yeah. across the street I've seen the
0: smiles. They have smiles on their face, too. Like I could see on the line <laughs> she's, she's like CJ said going, what are these people talking about? This is what happens. If you, if you don't catch the show, you never know where we're going to go. All right, let's, we're going to change. So it what about completely. the dinosaurs? How, how was was the about, era- uh, how about yeah.
1: the Rexes? Well, are they going to get along okay with the elephants?
0: Well, I guess, no, the, the Noah had to be after the, the dinosaurs. <laughs> it gets interesting, doesn't it? All right, let's, let's, we've had two hours of, of climate change plus <laughs> everything else. Let's get to uh, CJ. What is health? What does it take to stay healthy? We have a longer lifespan than 100 years ago, but is the quality of life any better? 100 years ago, their food was better. They got more exercise. They weren't as fat. They didn't have preservatives, antidepressants, sugar in everything, and they didn't have vaccines. If you talk about alternative healthcare, People think of crystals, incense, strange candles, Ouija boards, notions, potions, lotions, and total hippies telling you to detox, man. So let's change our system of sick care into wellness. Let's get healthy. Let's lower our stress, stop taking in poisons, eat and drink organic, clean food, and let's have a chat with CJ, because this is CJ's Wellness Watch on... Action Radio. Yeah, you're going to have to save us from two hours of climate change. (laughs) We're kind of climate changed out. (laughs) It's been fun, though. Hi, CJ.
4: Good morning.
0: Good morning. I don't know if you got a chance to, right. uh, to check us out here. We did, the first hour was uh, Pianchi and I uh, going through the CO2 Coalition website, and then we were fortunate enough to have Gregory Wrightstone uh, from the CO2 Coalition at the top of the last hour. And so he had, only had 30 minutes. These he, big stars, they only, they only give us 30 minutes, and they have to go, like, you know, do another interview with, uh, you know, some major okay. mega corporation. But, uh, yeah, it was good. It was fun. So check the podcast. Wow. Mm, yeah. Cool. Which leads to a question mm-hmm. I just thought of that what? uh well well, since we're talking about climate change, you might as well keep my theme going. climate and health. you know are people healthier wow. in colder or warmer climates? I mean, I know, you weren't expecting this. I know this is totally out of the blue. We're just going to speculate outrageously, but if you, if you think about it, are people more prone to, say, being overweight in northern climates where it's colder and they're less active wearing more clothes so they can hide it? It's not like bikini season, whereas someplace like Florida. You know where everybody's on a boat you know for half the year uh, wearing swimsuits. Yeah. Uh, do warmer climates promote health? We know it's healthier for the for the people overall because of food production and, and uh, knowledge and society and things like that. but how about uh, actual health?
4: That's a great question and, and that has uh, so many different variables to it. It's a great mm-hmm. conversation. Um, yeah, so I don't really think that there's one general answer to that because I do think warmer clients right like you said people are out getting more vitamin d they're typically um more active right
2: mm-hmm.
4: typically really a stereotypical statement but um and i you know it's funny that you just brought that up because i was just thinking this morning like praise god like for the best of my knowledge like i'm totally fine i'm not sick i'm not whatever but i just mm-hmm. you know i've been in such a warm climates here over the past I mean, I'm in North Carolina, but I've been, you know, doing some traveling to the beaches and been out in the sun and in the heat, mm-hmm. you know, and that's my, that's my jam. I like the hot weather. <laughs> December? I've, I've gotten a little bit more like fall here mm-hmm. in the yeah. morning, but I'm waking up and I have a little bit of a runny nose and I'm going outside. And, you know, in North Carolina, it's a little different than, I think, Florida where... You know, this morning I have on a sweatshirt and sweatpants, and then this afternoon I might have shorts on. So no, it's, can...
0: it, it, no, no sweatpants yet. Here it's still too cold. It's still right. too hot for that. But uh, you know, are you northern North right. Carolina? I'm just trying to think. Uh, you know, you might be in a different zone. Yeah, I'm more.
4: I'm more. I'm on the outskirts of, of Charlotte, so okay. I'm almost like central. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But I, I, I would I would agree with that. But you know, your your body would go back to that whole adapt word again, right? Your body mm-hmm. kind of adapts so wherever you've been living for X amount of time or wherever you are. And right. I know that because my, I have no family here. Okay. Basically it's me and my daughter here. And right. so my family is in Pennsylvania. And so the Ooh. three times cold a year up there. that I go home, <laughs> yeah. I am freezing. I mean, it, I mean cold because even here in the Carolinas, if it gets, below if it gets 75 or below i have to have a sweater on like it's just because my body i've been here since uh, 1998 in the carolinas and so my body has adapted so you know are people healthier or more susceptible to illness in different climates the stereotypical answer and the common sense answer would be yes but your body adapts like if you don't travel and you're <laughs> always always where you are like you know, and you somewhere once once a year or something, your body adapts to that weather. So if you're living, you know, in sub-zero temperatures, that doesn't mean you're going to be sick. Your body has adapted to that. And it actually might be shocking to your body to go to Florida or go to an island where it's going to be, you know, warm. Um, but I think to answer your question, the general answer is yes, you know.
0: Yeah. I don't function well in the cold. Uh, I I love the Bay Area. Uh, It's actually a desert out there, even though you had 100 percent humidity, you know, in the summertime because you had all these clouds overhead. But uh, people were really happy with moderate temperatures. So, you know, maybe 70 in Oakland. Oakland is the best climate in the world. 70 degrees in the summer, um, 60 degrees in the winter. (laughs) It was amazing. Right. So you had this this blanket of fog that kept you cool in the summer and uh, it actually blanketed and kept you warmer in the winter. And so people were, you know, except for the high crime and other stuff like that. But as far as general temperament, it was really good weather to live in. And you get in the hills, you know, just beyond uh, outside the Bay Area, um, like Orinda and Lafayette and uh, Concord and Walnut Creek and all these towns. And it's like 120 in the summer and 30 in the winter. So you've got, mm-hmm. you know, from a two degree temperature variation to, you know, like a 70 degree temperature variation by simply crossing some hills. It's fascinating. Uh, how much variation there is. And in the hot places, ugh, it's miserable. But yeah, I, I noticed the difference. Like Florida's completely humid. There's no, there's no humidity. Right. California, it's, it's 100% humidity, but you don't feel it. It still feels dry. Because even though the air is saturated, uh, there's so much dryness around, you don't feel it. You know, so, so everybody's breathing well and we're doing fine, but, uh, you know, but it, it feels really cold sometimes. It's kind of funny. People from Wisconsin, the dry cold would come to the Bay area okay. and it'd be 50 degrees in the winter and I'm doing, you know, boat tours and they're freezing. I said, this is cold in Wisconsin. I said, come on, you guys get 30 yeah. below zero. I said, yeah, but it's, it's sunny and clear and there's no wind. It doesn't feel cold. I'm like, oh. Well,
4: well you know, that's, that's like I said, that's interesting you said because, you know, when I go to warmer climates, which I try mm-hmm. to do frequently, um, mm-hmm. Is depending on the, the humidity, like you said, you know, a right. dry heat of hands, you know. But if it's humidity, and I, I can't, and I have no breathing challenges per se that I'm aware of, um, mm-hmm. you know. But know. a lot of people who might, who live in humid, hot areas, they don't have any problems because their body has adapted you know, to those living conditions if they're there for 90% of their lives, you know. So yeah. for me, I function better in a dry heat um, because if I, if I can't breathe, forget it. You know, if it's too muggy and whatnot, but some people it doesn't bother.
0: Yeah, I'm just the opposite. So, I love humidity. I do much better in humidity, which is why in California, you know, I didn't really travel much around the state in the summertime because it was hot and it was dry. You know, the Sierras are beautiful, but I wouldn't go there <laughs> because it was completely dry. I mean, it was crispy bone dry, like Arizona dry. And I can't, okay. I can't function. And my body doesn't do that well in that at all. I'm much more comfortable in humidity. And people are like, How do you walk around 100% humidity? Well, you know, open the door, I walk outside and I'm fine. I can do it. So, so, so our different body types really do adapt, you know, and some, is there any indication of that? Is it, is it uh, male, female? Is it blood type? Is it genetics? All of the above? What makes people adapt to different climates?
4: Well, you know, I think you know again, I'm not a scientist, but I think um what makes sense to me with what i've a little bit of digging into this not not a whole lot is you mentioned something about blood i think right I think blood type has to do with it, and again, I think that your blood you know your blood can change, and so not your blood mm. type, but blood can change, and so again, mm. depending on where you've lived or where you are for a Ninety percent of your life, your your blood and your system and your circulatory system adapt, just like we just like we said. So I believe that yes, blood type plays a role, but the, the the your blood makeup, you know, as you know, can be altered and changed. And so I do think that your your blood and your sensitivity and your circula I don't even like using that word, your circulatory system will adapt to where you are most of the time. Okay. You
0: know? Mhm. Makes sense. You know, uh, Piaki, yeah, go ahead.
1: I've been in uh, southern areas in Egypt, Aswan, in some location where the temperature gets up about 140 degrees. <laughs> when you get off the bus, you can't walk fast. That's why the people in those areas wear a dress called a galabia that covers the bottom and they have their head route because it would kill them. Yeah. And white, white individuals cannot survive in those areas because it's just too hot. That's why coming in the further north, you go, people's complexion turns lighter and so on and so on and so on. Right. And, and, you know, people off the equatorial areas, their skin is dark because that protects them with high melanin from the ultraviolet rays of the sun. They cause it skin cancer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are creatures of who we are. The diet of people in, in, in Miami is not going to be the same as the diet of the people up in Minnesota. It ain't good for you.
0: It's <laughs> far more, yeah, there's probably more fat in the diet up north, you know, because like the Wisconsin cheese, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, the, 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 this, uh, CJ, what do you think? Have you seen dietary changes and, you know, and, and skin changes about where people live, even in the United States? I mean, you find, I guess, more white That's folks what? in Minnesota and And uh, more black folks you know along the southern parts of the country I would say
4: absolutely yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I agree absolutely. but again, I go back to you know climate plays a role in everything, you know as far as hmm. um, health food options available as far as crops, as far as mindset of the the economy and the farmers and different things so you know, you can go down ten thousand not rabbit holes, but you can go down ten thousand trails that make sense as to why. Hmm. But yeah, absolutely, Dem- demographics and location, you know, do play a role as far as um, nutritional choices. I like using that word, you know, and what yeah. people are eating. You know, I grew up in Pennsylvania compared to North Carolina. I'm like, oh my gosh, you yeah. know. In general, being around the lake area, I'm you know, kind of where I am. Um, yeah. You know, there's from from the eyes perspective, right? We don't know anybody's body chemistry, but from the eyes perspective, you know, there's a lot of good looking, really healthy, fit individuals. You know, you go to other demographical re, uh, regions, even if I, you go up to Raleigh, North Carolina, you don't mm-hmm. see that sort of physique. Yep, you don't you're, see you're
0: so, a Little technical difficulty you know? there. Yeah. Okay.
4: Um, well, and, and that's. I grew up near Pennsylvania Pennsylvania Dutch, you know, and so you had, now granted, there were a lot of Amish around and fresh things and all that, but everything was Pennsylvania Dutch, and so that's not the most healthy, you know, thing, and I grew up Italian, so the further north you go, you know, when I visited my parents and my grandparents' hometown, I don't even think they knew what a salad looked like,
0: (laughs) you know? Pasta (laughs) fazool, yeah.
4: Exactly. So, yes, I think demographics plays a lot into it, yeah. like I said, but it has to do to the, the crops and the things that are, you know, what, what people yeah. are producing.
0: I'd be curious about blood types, too, because I remember reading this a while back, the, the book on, on your blood type diet, what foods you should eat for certain blood types. Um, I think we've talked about it briefly, but uh, that might be interesting to incorporate into a, a climate discussion as well. Like I'm type B, and I'm, from, I'm like the original Caucasian blood type you know, from the Caucasus Mountains, you know, and so big on dairy, big on uh, which I don't eat anymore. But dairy I do. In the time that I didn't have dairy because I, I thought I was, you know, I didn't want kidney stones, I actually got a kidney stone uh, for not having enough dairy. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. But, that, but uh, blood types, we should, uh, you know, poke into that sometime too. Feel
2: free. Yeah, that
4: would be, you know what, that would be a, a great, you know, I do a lot of roundtables on my podcast. Honestly, <laughs> that would be a great conversation to have with Dr. Judy or somebody else. You know, and have yeah. a couple people. I mean, again, just chime chiming in. I
0: think that that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so uh, enough about my topics. <laughs> what do you want to talk about?
4: <laughs> well, well, I just, like I said, it seems like when when we have these, and, and I'll be more consistent. Come when I get back from from this next trip. You know, I've just been on on the road a lot, and I just got back with my podcasting from you know Myrtle Beach when I was traveling to do. Some uh-huh. some events, things like that. Well, Not let's, hear, let's hear related, about
0: those. But... So, tell me of your uh, travels. Well, tell it's... me of your podcast adventures. What's uh, what's going on?
4: Yeah, yeah. So, oh, we have so many irons in the fire. Um, so, let's see what I want to say. So, I just got back from Myrtle Beach, and it had nothing to do with wellness. But um, you know, some of your viewers know I have a totally different Patriot podcast on Rumble, and so I was I was asked to be part of that and interview some of the speakers there and it was a faith-based conference. And so it was amazing. So i made a lot of connections. We've got a lot of great interviews set up to do. And so wow. that's going to be coming up in October. I mean, it was amazing. and Believe it or not, we actually beat the hurricane. We did have, if we could have gotten it on video, it would have been hysterical. So my, um, my business partner and podcast partner, we went together and, see, um, you know, those carts that you roll into your hotel, well, we were rolling them back and forth from the convention center <laughs> that we bring because we had all of our, you know where I'm going with this, we had all of our, like, equipment there, you know, our microphone, our computers, all of our stuff that we had to wheel into the convention center. We had a, a right. lot of crap. Yeah. And the, the we didn't get a lot of rain. There was light rain, but the wind was horrific, which was blowing the light rain. And mm-hmm. I was blowing around like Mary Poppins. It was hysterical. <laughs> she I she was trying about pounds, to she was, like, she was like, you know, she called me by my name, you know, not CJ. And she's like, oh, my gosh. She ran across the parking lot. To go. I was literally blowing because it was blowing those metal carts around. And it was empty when we were willing it back and we had to be outside. Right. And I, it was right. literally blowing me back and forth like, like, um, <laughs> you know, like, like a snake would. Sizzling. Okay. And I was no, holding I gotcha. on for dear life. It was like, so, so the wind was bad, bad, bad. But most of the time we were inside and we had that, you know, for a couple hours during the day, a little bit overnight. And then when we came home, it was, it was totally fine. So we didn't get like the brunt of the hurricane by any means, but it was, it was windy enough to blow, blow my butt around, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was in Hurricane Sally uh, a few years ago. I've still got the pictures of it, and the water rose about 14 feet. Uh, fortunately, I'm about 30 oh, wow. feet ele- elevation here. So, uh, yeah, across that halfway point, I was going to start to get concerned if it was like, you know, coming up Willing Street, which is our main street in town. If the water was going to up to the main street, it's like, okay, I'm out of here. But you don't have to go that far away. That's a, that's a weird thing. It's like 20, 30 miles. As long as you're out of the storm surge, you're good. You know the wind's right. gonna be windy anyway, um, but that's that's the key. So people think of value. If you have to evacuate, do 150, 200 miles now, 30, just get away from the the, right. the any any source of water and you're good. But it's really interesting. Right. But uh, yeah, so any any you want, you want to do some shameless name dropping? Anybody you got to talk to?
4: Um yeah yeah I can and then I can move on to some other other things. But sure. Um, so uh and and you know believe it or not before I drop na- name drop because again I will be interviewing, I, I did little snippets, you know, 15, 20 minute interviews with, with people and, um, right. the Wi-Fi was not all that great there. So, um, what my tech person is trying to do, cause I am not the tech person, um, mm-hmm. is unfortunately, we're going to have to scrap the actual, um, video, but keep the audio. And so, mm. cause the audio came through very, very clear. So we're going to try to blend the snippets together to launch them onto my network on, on rumble. But I would say more than um, um, all of them that I spoke to, um, I don't like using the word conspiracy, but Mm. they're all into the know, K-N-O-W. They all know, like they listen to different truthers, they listen to the real, they, they listen to what some people would call the real news. They listen to the conspiracy theories. Like they're, they're very knowledgeable as to, you know, they're not just pastors or people that have blinders on, and they're just focused on that. And so the conversations and the interviews that I did, the 15, 20-minute increment, increment, were phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And I only had so much time with them. And I actually had to set a timer because I get carried away um, interviewing no my
0: yeah. <laughs> I have an yeah. hour. <laughs> you have an hour here so we can fully explore these things. Well, now when you say conspiracy yeah. theories, because we, you know, I make a very clear distinction between real problems and conspiracy theories, or what we, we right. call now ongoing investigations. <laughs> and so, um, I, and we have callers on this and I have a reporter that, that's, that's very into this kind of stuff, you know, and so to me, you know, reality. Uh, the, the, the COVID right. shot was completely unnecessary, uh, and they sold it to make billions of dollars. They created fear. They created lockdowns to scare the hell out of people. The deaths were way reported and we had early treatments, which would have cured it for you know, pennies on, 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 the, on the multiple thousands of dollars they spent. That's real. Uh, right. conspiracy theory is all our lawyers are registered in England. You know, you've got a secret account in the treasury. You know, the United States is a corporation, not a country. And I just laugh at this stuff. It's so funny. But people blend the two. They can't see the line between them. They think they, they'll buy the COVID stuff. They know that the climate change right. stuff is nonsense, but then they go and, and tell me that uh, if your birth certificate has capital letters, you've got a secret treasury account, and uh, and Donald Trump's going to take over the country with the military. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is utter nonsense. Uh-huh. So do you find that same thing? Do you have what, – what, where, where do you draw the line in terms of health? Are you getting health conspiracies that are total whack, wacko theories, or do you get um, – when you say in the know, what are we talking about? Give me some theories, and All then right. I'll be able to well, –
4: Hold that question. Let me hold that okay. question. Ask me that again, so I don't don't forget it. But okay. so I, I I you know I I choose not to give like kind of where I stand on it because you know I I encompass it all as you know on my podcast. That's that's what I do as a as a podcaster as a quote unquote truther. I I, I put it all out there, all of it, uh-huh. and then I let so your objective. Discern. You're going to
0: be objective. Right? I let people,
4: Oh, I let people discern what they they want to believe, what they don't. I'm not gonna put my my stance on anybody else, but as oh, getting do. into this as a, as a <laughs> this um, the
0: opposite. I, I want my well, stance on everything.
4: <laughs> but again, as as a as a podcaster that I've been doing this for almost three years now on Rumble, I bring mm-hmm. all the information. Some of it I believe okay. in, some of it I don't, some of it, and I like. I'm circling back to the original question. I like the fact that I put it all out there. So if mm-hmm. I'm wrong in what I think, if I have a stance and I'm totally wrong, mm-hmm. then at least I know if something happens that I was like, oh crap, I didn't think that that was real or wow. You know, mm. I've been exposed to every aspect of it, just like you. I've been exposed to it all. Okay. So okay. If, if if my thought process isn't correct, then I can, I can be shocked, but it's not like I haven't heard the information or been made aware as, Hey, this could be a strong possibility versus some normies out there who are so closed mind minded Mm -hmm. that they, they don't listen to any of it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think being exposed to all of the possibilities out there, you know, whether it's aliens, whether it's the military taking over, whether it's devolution, whether it's, the COVID thing, whatever it is, putting it all out there as possibilities, as a podcaster, reporting it all, and letting individual people make their own decisions and their own conclusions. Because I would never force my beliefs or my opinions or what I think is going to happen onto anyone else, because I may be right and I may be wrong. So that's my point, is that a lot of these pastors, a lot of these, I call them patriot pastors, because they're really (laughs) taking the for,
0: that, that's a good term. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I know what you yeah, mean. They're,
4: they're taking a stance for what's going on. They uh-huh. have exposed. They most of them have by choice exposed themselves to all of it, just like I was just saying, so that you know they are aware. Not only what, because some of them have different biblical views, and that's cool. That's okay. Some of them have different worldly views as to again what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, all the things, but. They've exposed themselves to it all, you know, and so I think that that's great, especially when you're interviewing somebody. They can have a – I don't like using the word intelligent either. Hmm. Nobody is versed at everything. But they can have a knowledgeable conversation mm-hmm. because they've been made aware of ABCD. Oh, we do
0: that. We do that all the time here so, with the, the experts that we have on. We just had Gregory Wrightstone. He knows more about climate geology than I'll ever know. But I know enough to ask right. him good questions. And, and that goes for Derek right. with economics, and it goes for Jonathan with legal, and all the other host uh, reporters we have, you with wellness. I mean, I know enough about these things to be able to do that. But I am not objective, and we are not journalists. On, you know, At least I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate. <laughs> so I, I definitely take a point of view and a position. Now, people can disagree with my position. I've got no problem with that at all. Uh, in fact, we have our, our, our uh, you know, Socialist Progressive Report, uh, the West Coast Progressive Report, or Bianca McCree. Uh We disagree on just about everything. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's a fascinating report. Oh
4: my yeah. mind's running. I have so many things to talk about. Okay, so first okay. feel of, free. Let me give you the rundown. I'll give you um, just a little tiny bit of an expert Not an expert, but the people who I, who I spoke to, and then, you know, if your listeners are interested You know, they can always log into my podcast on on Rumble if they want to hear, you know, any any of the information and and whatnot. Okay. Okay. So Pastor Greg Locke was there, um, and I have multiple multiple times. Um, He, I did, I I did speak with him, and he gave me out his his free. His free book and all that kind of good good stuff. I didn't have the chance to interview with him because he was talking to so many people and whatnot. And his wife was there. I got to speak with him and I interviewed Pastor Jason Bogg, B-O-B-G. And if my memory serves me correctly, he was I want to say West Virginia. I have all this stuff written down, so I'm just I'm just going off of of memory at this at this moment. Um, mm-hmm. I spoke to Dean O'Dell. Dean O'Dell is amazing, absolutely amazing. He is from Alabama, and so um, my ex-in-laws live in Alabama, and so I am strongly considering going to um, going to check check him out and talking with him. And he is one that I am super excited about interviewing. Uh, another sure. one was Trey Smith, which was really an amazing interview. And See, I don't know any of these cool. people.
0: This is all, this is, well, I was curious because I don't know any of these folks. So what's their, do they have like an overall theme? Are they part of an umbrella group? What's a, what are they, what are they trying, what message are they trying to, to get out?
4: Um, a lot of the conference was about deliverance and deliverance ministries.
0: Okay. We covered so that with, with Wendy. We actually had a couple of about. deliverance ministers. We had a couple of deliverance ministers actually on the show uh, last Thursday. Yeah. When you were off at the conference.
4: Okay. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay.
4: Yeah. So that that was really really good. Um, yeah. So all all those things. And then yeah. let's see what what else. So I want to make sure to let your viewers know this, um, and then I'll get on to um, another topic. Or and uh, let me go answer your question first. Go back to your question that you asked. You asked me.
0: Oh, conspiracy versus real, real theories. Uh, and by the way, we have listeners, not viewers. <laughs> you have viewers. Yes, I, I know. We, I know. We have I know. I'm, I know. To
2: say I'm so sorry. I know it's a habit.
0: I'm, I'm just teasing. Oh, don't be sorry. No, I just think it's funny. Uh, but anyway, so again, there's a line between uh, a real conspiracy to do evil. In other words, the whole government COVID protocols, where and I have a lot of you know people I know that had uh, their kids die, their parents die. You know, there's some serious. I lost two friends to COVID. Um, both, you know, one who created our website, the other who is, uh, our regular, you know, reporter. Um, and so it's, that's, that's very real. Uh, what I talk about when I talk about the, the, the fake, you know, the, 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 over the line, the, the, consp- the weird conspiracy stuff. U.S. is a corporation. And I proved that. I actually, you know, pulled, I actually showed the person the law. Uh, That says that that, uh, when they say the federal government is a corporation, that's just the definition. So, in other words, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation is a federally chartered company. That's what the law means. It doesn't mean the entire United States is a company that's owned by somebody else, and yet that's what they interpret. So, that's nonsense, and it's easily disproven. But uh, in in terms of of health and things, you know, what – What's real? You know, what, what are the things that they're pushing? It's like the, oh, here's an, here's an idea. Like the old the FDA requirements, Food and Drug Administration requirements. You know, uh, no, uh, you know, no cholesterol and no fat. And, and we know these things are good for us now. Yes. No eggs, you know, eat lots of carbohydrates and stuff like that. And we now know it's exactly the opposite is true. So that was a real conspiracy right. to, to tell people the wrong stuff. You know, don't eat butter, eat margarine, which is basically plastic, you know, one molecule away. So, so in, in the health world, what, what are the, um, what are the big conspiracies?
4: Oh gosh, there's a million to go down.
0: There's- okay, we don't. We'll, we'll take them. You know. Well. Well. In other words, in terms of the conference. Let's, let's going
4: table that. Um. And, yeah. and let's come around to it if we have time because I've got some other things well, that I would it, love. Let's love- do it another
0: week. We'll 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 pick up another time. Just make a note.
4: Well, don't forget. Mm-hmm. Remind me. Remind well, me so I can be prepared. Every time
0: you're on I'll probably think of it. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be hard to remind. Ah. Yeah. So tell me what you <laughs> want to talk about and then let's uh, cuz so, I guess I said, you know, mind is this is ADHD Radio for those that haven't noticed. Uh, so yeah, topics yeah. are ver- are are, you know, optional. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, um and I'm just digging into all this, but it's been something you and I have talked about and I've really been digging hard into it. Um but I will tell everyone. I want to give everybody this information, if you don't mind. So, yeah, do mind. Um, you know, today we do CJ's Wellness Watch. Mm-hmm. I have. I am in the process of creating um, a Wellness Watch website, mm-hmm. and it is created. It is not completed. It is right. a shell. Okay, but. Mm-hmm. For such a time as as this, there are there are things on there that you can go to and look at, et cetera. Et cetera. I'll give everybody the site. It's yeah, go wellness, for it. wellnesswatch.gethealthy.store. wellness One more time. Watch dot get healthy dot store. Wellness watch wellness watch dot get healthy.
0: Yeah, you should send me some stuff. Send me the website so I can post it on Life and Health. Well, you should do that anyway if you're not a member of our Action Radio yeah. Life and Health coaching page because that way you can just post it yourself. Um, and so right. that would be handy. Yeah, so so just to let folks know, part of the deal, if you're a reporter on my show and you have stuff you're doing, you have to make all kinds of plugs well, for you it know what? because I figure that's a I've fair deal. I've got
4: access you know, to, um, yeah. to uh-huh. my business partner. I've got access to Facebook now. So you'll just have ah. to know it's me. It comes up as my friend. So I can say, "Hey, this is CJ. Don't think I'm like ha- a hacker or anything." So I do have. <laughs> yeah, send me a I rest. do have. Yeah, I, do I, can, have
0: I forgot you were. Yeah. Okay, good. So
4: I can get on yeah. there. You and I'll get connected on there later. Yeah, I but find, anyway, I
0: forgot you weren't on there. But I, I can always post it for you the website. But yeah, you should be on.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get on it. I'll get on it through through her account because we're working together. Um, okay. So you can bring her on sometime. The, bring her on the
0: show. Bring your partner on the show sometime. I it. That'd be fine. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So that. Site uh, the tabs on it right now, drop down stuff for um, supplementation, all the things. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Judy, Mikevich, and I are actually partnering together on some oh. different things. I should probably be um, talking with yeah. her today. We're going to do a book, book club, um, wow. all kinds of stuff. Well, Judy's so, one of our
0: favorite people, as you know. She's been on the show about 30 times. Yeah. She did our, our our World's Greatest Doctors panel. She was on most of the weeks. We did 18 weeks of that in a row, and she probably was on, you know, 12 of them uh, so it, or more. She, she's amazing, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Anyway,
4: so, anyway, so that, that site, I have two bundles on there. One of the bundles is um, for spike protein. It's very similar. Um, Dr. Judy helped me with that. So I've got okay, that so, so on it,
0: This is critical. Huh? This is critical for wellness. Why why, are, why spike proteins? You should explain why that is so important for people to get rid of those things.
4: Well, I want to go on to the next thing, but I know you guys have done a lot of oh. just Okay, fine. It's something that we to keep, keep addressing. It's going to be an ongoing thing. I okay. think, um, and again, I, I, I again, I'm not a scientist. I don't know the longevity. I don't know the details. I mm-hmm. just know that initially when all of this crap went down, right, Mm -hmm. it was a hot topic, and it is real. Um, You know, again, the longevity, the severity, the wearing off, I don't have those answers, but the bundle that was put together addresses a lot of deficiencies, a lot of things that people are lacking just to help their body in general to fight off different things at more of a cellular level, which leads me into another topic. So there is a bundle for that. And then if you think about all of the um, conversations that's been happening in regards to October 4th, October the 11th, the EAS.
0: What is this this big deal? Wendy talked about that the other day, too. It, It strikes me very much Y2K. You know, in other words, everybody got panicked over nothing. I don't like the idea that the government's going to shut everybody's phone off for a minute or turn up some big warning that they are. Th- I think it's just a test of the, uh, the the command control communication, you know, C3, right? Command control and communications that they're they're trying to coordinate the ability to basically regulate everybody's information system, all the computers, all the phones. That in itself is dangerous enough.
4: Exactly. Well, that's what I was just explaining to my daughter last night. I'm trying to get her to understand the reality okay. of it. We don't, so my point is, on that site that I just gave you, on my site, I actually put together an EMS bundle. You don't have to buy all the things. You can buy one thing. You can buy two things. You can go onto that category, but for such a time as this, because this is coming up. And we've heard about October 4th and possibly October the 11th and all the things. So I put together an EMF bundle on there. And again, the majority of things that you will find on my site right now are things that, um, that, you know, I've collaborated with with Dr. Judy on and I'm actually getting ready to bring another line to all of their, all of their sites, which will be the next thing I talk about. But, um, so you can go go there and check that out. I do think that there is going to be something that's going to happen on October the 4th, and, you know, we've heard of so much fear-mongering. The problem is we don't know what's real and what's not. We just don't. We can speculate all that we want. We can use the knowledge that we have. But we, I, maybe you do, I don't have, I have zero concrete evidence of What's real? What's not real? What's going to happen? We hear all these things. So I feel like being over-prepared versus under-prepared is mm-hmm.
2: better. Okay.
4: You know, I even do that, you know, on a daily basis in my car. You should see the trunk of my, my car. I have, like, this emergency, <laughs> thing, you know, oh, yeah. in my van. And it, so it's like I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So, you know, to have EMS stuff and protecting, we know they're going to do something.
0: I mean EMF. that's a fact. What's it, what's that stand for?
4: Well, the EMS protectors for radiation. like the things on your home, the things on your phone, um, the electronic currents, and all that up. If they set mm-hmm. off an EA app, emergency right. alert system, you know we've heard that there is
0: oh EMS. It's be not it's not coming percent. through as an S S clearly. Maybe it's a phone connection. Um, We're we gonna get you a, a head. Uh, a, you should be broadcasting on a microphone. That would be a lot clearer. So, E-M-F.
2: Oh, you can't do
0: well? S in, yeah. Well, no, it's just certain letters. Like, yeah, it's not like E-M-F as opposed to E-M-S. So, so that would be Echo e- Mike Sierra. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Well, the reason I – I want to hold you up just for a second because the reason I was talking about spike proteins is we do a lot of talking here about, you know, vaccine injury recovery. I mean, our Action Radio Vaccine page, which is private, is dedicated to that. You know, so Dr. Judy's products and various things like that to get people. And yeah. I heard from uh, Pierre Corey that fasting uh, is a great way to reduce the, 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 the da- you know, some of the more dangerous systems uh, symptoms of, okay. of the COVID shots. You know, so those are things that are critical. So I, I want to relate it to things that we're talking about. Uh, this is why I uh, jump in here a little bit here. But the, the, this is what the spike protein, you know, that's the dangerous part of COVID shot. That's the part that lingers around. That's the part, I think, that uh, causes the blood clots and destroys your immune system and does all the nasty things. And that's engineered in there. So why would they engineer something that goes directly against what they say this thing does? Well, to sell more of it and make people sick. You know, so they'll, they'll sell more pharmaceuticals. You know, it's, it's a marketing device to sell. It's like, you know, why put salt in popcorn? Well, so you can sell more drinks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a marketing device. And so this is critical for folks to understand, I think, but this is why I like to, uh, you know, for each part that you're talking about, there's a reason. And I want to kind of get the reason um, behind so that people understand what, what it's all about. Anyway, back to you.
4: No, no, you're, you're right. And like I said, I think that's been, you know, a hot topic that we've been talking about for, for mm-hmm. two or three, three years. And I just think that it's something that people need to continually stay on top of. Again, mm-hmm. going back to what I was saying is we, we don't, we don't know what is fear, what isn't fear. So to me, it's always better to be proactive than underactive. That's just the way I, the way I look at it, you know, um, you know, so that's kind of, kind of where I stand on it all. But if people go to, um, my, my website now, that is, like I said, there'll be a lot more coming and I'm putting pictures up and all that stuff. Um, but there is a website now you can find those two bundles if you're interested in, um, which is the spike protein bundle and um, the other bundle that will have different things for radiation and stuff like that, that you can get for your home or on your phone or whatever. And I know a lot of people are really wanting those things with the fact that we have these potential well, let's, talk about about, uh, let's talk
0: about radiation. Let's talk about radiation from it. So, what kind of ra- we're talking about? Wi-Fi radiation, electromagnetic radiation, microwaves from the the microwave uh, oven. What are we talking about?
4: Yeah, we're we're, we're talking about basically a lot of the five G radiation, which okay. we really can't. But we're talking mostly about the the our our phones and the five Gs. And some of our phones hmm. are still four and all that kind of good stuff. But we're I'm talking about that type of radiation that people... I mean, you can't avoid it. We all use our phones. I mean, most people don't even have a landline. Well, Some
0: people do something. Let's talk about that for a minute because it's kind of interesting. A friend of mine uh, who was in uh, public relations for uh, high-tech stuff back in the Bay Area we kind of lost touch because she didn't like the fact that I was a Trump supporter, which is too bad. But anyway, brilliant woman. Uh, and told me about the, the radiation from cell phones. And this was back when they first came out. So maybe... Late 80s, I don't know how long we've had cell phones, um, but I imagine they had a lot more radiation in those days. And, and she told me, she said, don't ever put it up yeah. to your head, you know, use, uh, use the, the, the earbuds, uh, or it's what I do. I just have a stack of books, and I use the speaker. So I, it never touches my head. Uh, in fact, now it's about right. three feet away. So it's not perfect, but, it's, it's, it, but the radiation, you know, three feet away from me, you can at least watch it when it lights wow. up, com- compared right, to, right. you know, in my back pocket is, is you know, it's infinitely greater radiation if it's sitting in my back pocket. You know, people are getting butt cancer <laughs> Get up on their phones, you know, or if it's in their chest pocket, they're getting, you know, chest cancers, lung cancers and things from these from these cell phones. This is huge.
4: It is huge. I try to tell my daughter that all the time. Don't carry your phone in your back pocket. And You know, everybody puts it in their jean back pocket or your shorts. I'm like, you have 10,000 crossbody bags or a purse. At least put it in a purse or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. Don't um,
0: they sit on their phones if it's in your back pocket all the time? How do you avoid sitting on it?
4: Exactly, exactly.
0: So, um but cancer. But yeah, the, cancer the, the so, butt cancer. So tell us, you get you cancer of the butt. If you do you get cancer of the they will be carrying in their back pocket. Yeah, go ahead, Biagi.
1: You need to get one of those ferret,
0: <coughs> ferret bags. I
2: just have uh, one. Especially on. for yeah.
0: you. Have you ever what heard of those? That? Is that like a ferret age? Yeah. What just, is it?
2: Yeah, I have.
1: Well, here, ferret bag is, is the bags. Like, French, you got those keys. But you've got a proximity auto key that you have in your pocket. You just push a button once you – well, people can drive down your neighborhood and pick that code off while you sleep and steal your car. So you oh. keep your car, even your phone in a ferret bag, and they're not the expensive, some of them $15, and that huh. protects you from that type of detection.
0: Is it lead-lined, or what's it made of?
1: It's made of a, some sort of material. It kind of reminds you of the same principle people used to have with the um, film yeah. bags when they go through the airport and they put the film. I remember in. that
0: I used to have one the of those bloodline bags. Right yeah, I used to have them yeah, when we had film cameras. Bags. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, they designed like a yeah. wallet you can put the film in. Yeah.
0: yeah.
4: I just bought some for her, uh, myself and my daughter. I got to get her to to use them. And like I said, I think I think everybody over the past couple of weeks. I mean, just weeks has had a heightened awareness because of all the potential things that they're going to do October 4th, 11th, and that's why I bring this subject up is that I I, I think, you know, we don't know is this going to be a real thing, is this a scare tactic, is whatever. But being prepared, so buying, buying those thing on the back of your phone and, you know, even prior to this and after all this, you know, I've just recently, I don't have a landline. And I don't have family here. So I'm always used to, I mean, it's this habit, right, mm-hmm. of putting my phone on my nightstand. Because if there's an emergency, like, I don't want to put my phone downstairs and have somebody break into my house or something. Like, how the heck am I going to get my phone? So, you know, it's almost like, for me, I feel like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I want to make mm-hmm. sure I have it easily accessible if something happens to one of my parents that night. I want right. to make sure something, you know, the phone rings and I hear it. You know, and if I have to grab my phone real quick and call 911, I I don't want to have to go digging under, you know, go into my closet and go in a safe safe deposit. You know what I mean? It's like, how how much is overkill? No pun intended. I mean, you just, I don't know. I don't know. So the ferret bags are really good. I have been at night keeping my phone on and I have actually been putting it in my nightstand drawer in the drawer um, at night. And so, you know, I think, you know, there's only so much you can do. It's it's almost like going back to that statement, okay, I'm not going to go ride my bike because I can get hit by a car today. Well, I'm going to still go ride my bike. I'm Mm going to still go ride my bike, you know. So, but to be as proactive as possible, taking those little steps without driving yourself crazy, that's a fine line. You know, it's, it's, it's a fine line. So the the um, bundle that I have on my website has some of that stuff in it because people are wanting that sort of stuff now to prepare for the potential of what's coming or or nothing that's coming. But well,
0: the well, Let's talk about this. What What do they think is coming? What's because uh, Wendy has one view of it, but so what, what do you what Who's behind this? Is this this is a FEMA, you know, Federal Emergency Management uh, Agency operation? What What do they say they're doing, and what do you think they're trying to do? Because a lot of people are concerned well, about
4: this. You know, the, the, the scuttlebutt, as I'm sure you've heard from, like, TikTok videos and all the information that's out there, is that an, an emergency alert system is going to be set off on the 4th between, right. between I don't know, they said between 2 and 4 or something like that. So uh-huh. people in the movement are saying, make sure you turn your phone off, put your phone in a ferret bag, go away from you know, your phones, you can't get away from 5G or go hiking, go to the beach, go somewhere, get away from your phone because we don't know if an EAS goes off what they are trying to do. Is it going to be something that's going to elicit a virus? Seems impossible. Is it going to be something that's going to elicit something in the vaccinated or people that have um, the Magellans in them? I mean, we don't. You know, okay, well, again, let's, t- let's to...
0: talk about phones. Uh, what is a phone? A phone is it's a it's an electromagnetic device. It it, it emits you know radiation. It, it carries a radio. It's basically a radio transmitter, right? It receives uh, you know information. It transmits information just like it's a radio, you know. Just except there's no cords right. to it. So it's a self-contained radio. It's got a battery. Uh, it's electrically powered. Uh, it's got a, a charging capability. But in reality, what can it really do? You know, it cannot be turned into a a laser. You know, it can't be turned into a a radiation device. It can't be turned into an explosive device, as far as I know. So what is the danger from a phone?
2: Well, (laughs)
0: No uh, again would... this is this is this is the this is the line between conspiracy and reality you know where yeah. the logic and reason filter okay so we if they said that these things are going to come through a phone a phone cannot spread a virus because a phone has no there's nothing biological in a phone right. other than what you've touched it you know so it right. can't do that right. right it's not a weapon right. it doesn't have a weapon system unless you've attached a taser to it but that's external but the phone itself cannot emit an electrical charge that can be used for defense or offense so that's not a problem the battery isn't big enough to do anything nasty, so that's not a problem. So what can it do? Other than turn on, turn off, it can. They can strip all your information, maybe. I mean, that's possible. They can, uh, you know. But most of the mines on my computer anyway. You know. So okay. what? So what can it do? What are these people afraid of that the phone can do to them uh, on April on October fourth at uh, two p.m. What, what are they worried about?
4: I think people are worried more about the intense 5G radiation and the potential harm that it could do to one's body, anybody, you know?
0: Okay, but that um, happens all the time anyway. Your phone is always emitting radiation. This is why I never leave it close to me. And if okay. I carry it in a pocket, on the rare right times I carry it in a pocket, it's either off, but it's always on the outside of my wallet. So I get that extra inch of, of distance. That, that distance is huge. It's not touching. When a phone's touching you, You know, or if you keep it an inch away from you, that's a huge reduction. It's like a 95, 98% reduction in radiation by just being an inch away from you. It's only really bad. The closer it is to you, if it touches you, touches your brain, you got a problem. But if you talk on a phone like I do, sitting on a stack of books where it's about a foot away from my head, you know, I mean, it may not sound the best, but I'm not getting radiation either because there's a lot more distance. So what are the... But you see what I'm getting getting at, though? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the anxiety... Maybe the, maybe the real goal is the anxiety and the fear. You know, fear is what drove COVID shots. People got COVID shots because they were scared of dying. They didn't investigate whether the damn thing worked or not. They didn't investigate alternative treatments that they wouldn't have, which would have, and the whole, our whole point from February of 2020 was that ivermectin, we didn't know about ivermectin, but hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, vitamin C, uh, zinc, stop COVID. There is no pandemic. We were saying that since February. So we had knowledge. So we were never afraid. So this is what I'm trying to do now. If we have knowledge of what our phone does, then there's really not a lot to be afraid of from the phone. Now there's a lot to be afraid of from the government policy and the, the sinister evil people that want to control everything. So what's, so is the intent, this is why I haven't put a lot of stock in this and I haven't talked about it a lot, uh, except when it comes up in the show, but is the intent to just to generate fear for the sake of generating fear for some other reason? Yeah. And how does that affect your immune system?
4: Good question. Very well, good fear question.
0: destroys but it, doesn't it? Doesn't doesn't fear destroy yeah. your immune system? Yes.
4: Yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah. maybe that's so if the if the immune system's destroyed, where are people going to turn, you know, for help? Big right. Pharma. No, right.
4: Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So maybe October 4th yeah. has nothing to do with phones and has everything to do with creating fear.
4: Maybe. That's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe not. Well, maybe that's, what, that's
0: what I'm asking. That's how I'm asking the question.
4: Yeah, it could. Very well could.
0: Did yeah. that come up in your conferences?
4: Um, that particular subject, no, it has not. It should have. No, it did not. Nope.
0: So how come? So 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 given that now we just went through a very logical now I'm not a scientist I'm not an engineer okay I'm not an electrical engineer I don't have you know uh, clairvoyant knowledge of cell phones but doesn't that make sense what we just went through okay so then yeah so here's the thing so we talk about a lot about what's not in the news so what's important what is in the news is important but what's more important is what's not in the news that's not in the news Mm -hmm. no one's talking about October fourth as a propagandistic fear based uh, thing just to scare okay. people again and once they're scared, uh, I, I believe the government scares you to make you susceptible to another message. you know what if a uh-huh. new COVID shots rolled out October 5th? right to cure the radiation right. so so what if there's a radiation vaccine? what if there's a you know some drug to, to prevent you know excessive phone radiation I mean I don't know I'm just wildly speculating here. But is there right, any right, right. effort to, you know, this would, you know, if if you're, if you're sinister, if you're in the, 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 the Dr. Fascist and the health Nazi, you know, government, corporate, fascist, you know, medical conspiracy to kill a million people. And that was real, by the way. Um,
2: right, right. Why
0: wouldn't you, why wouldn't you scare people again with phones? Everybody's got one.
4: See, oh, no. Again, you're, you have a point, which is what I was saying. You have okay. to use your discernment, and, and the and the and the and the problem is, I'm going to say this again. You know, it's my perspective, we can only go by our 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 common sense knowledge. What is real and what isn't real, mm-hmm. until we know. You, you know, so may, what, may the
0: fourth be with you, <laughs> not against right. you. Sorry, I'm teasing. Right. So, Do you think anything's going to happen? You, I'm you think- I'm skeptical. I I, I think it's me a fear too. test. Yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen.
4: Me too, me too. Yeah, okay. Um, But um, I'd like to mention, and we can pick this subject up, you know, another time, but just for some people to think about. So the new – well, it's new to – well, it's not really new to me, but it's something that I'm digging into more because new um, um, supplementation that's natural – that I am providing to my clients right now is okay. I have been digging into um, epigenetics. Has anybody that? heard of? It? You've probably heard of that, nope. right?
0: i n- nope. So
4: ep- epigenetics. You might It's it's a study of changes in the cell functions that don't that do not that do not involve alteration in the DNA sequence. So it's factors such as DNA mes- methylation rather than by change in the sequence of base pairs in the DNA itself. So it's not going to change the DNA itself, but it changes the methylization, which means the health of the cells. And so I just recently, over the past, I would say, four weeks, um, became knowledgeable of some all-natural supplementation from God's earth Um, That is actually found in, if people don't know what the PDR is, it's the physician's best reference, which Mm -hmm. when you go to an MD or a doctor and they prescribe you a pharmaceutical drug, that's like their holy grail Bible, where they look up drugs to give you, or you can go to a PDR online if you're taking whatever drug, right? And you can go look it up, specifically Mm -hmm. what's in it, side effects, what's supposed to do, all, all the things. So... These new, new to me, um, probably been around, I would say, not even a year, epigenetic herbaceuticals, herbaceuticals, are actually in the PDR, the sufficient death reference. And so to a lot of wellness professionals and to a lot of people who are taking XYZ for different um, challenges, health challenges, and medical professionals and whatnot, this is a really, really big deal. So I've been doing a lot of digging into that, and I'm actually on board with all of those supplementations, and that's been something that I have been um, encouraging my clients and individuals to consume on a daily basis. I'm consuming them. A lot of mm-hmm. it has to do with detoxifying metals in the body and using natural earth substances and liposomal I'm actually partnering with—I'm not going to drop any names—but with
2: mm-hmm.
4: several hundreds of the doctors in the Patriot movement to use this epigenetical line as something that we can offer to the everyday person as a part of or using it as their everyday supplement protocol. So I'm pretty excited about 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 that and the technology behind it. So that's something that. Is, is going to be exciting moving forward.
0: Well, I it's going to be exciting. Is learning about uh, this this uh, coalition that's forming among patriots and doctors. You know, this whole patriot yes. doctor movement uh, is quite interesting because everybody knows how many doctors were threatened to have the license poll for simply saving lives. You know, prescribing right. hydroxychloroquine uh, and it will have your license taken away. But killing somebody with remdesivir, you know, gets you a bonus. It's a very strange world in okay. medicine right now. They've actually reversed. Where killing is good and saving is bad. Uh, killing is good exactly. if it makes you lots of money. I mean, it's really twisted. I mean, it's it's barbaric, you know what's happening. So this yeah. is this is a good thing, yeah. But I'd be curious, um, you know, as this goes forward more and more to find out about it. But um, this this whole, you know, like I say, what's going on. Um, I think people are, are, are purposely being scared and everybody's panicking about it. But there's a, there's a certain thing about fascination and people want to panic. You know, I was, I was talking to Gregory Wrightson about this earlier, about, you know, why the why these globalist stooges are, are, you know, creating such panic for no reason when the earth is doing just fine. And there's a certain percentage of people that they want to believe the worst. They want to believe that global warming is, is horrible. We're all going to die in, you know, three years, four years, two years, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's not happening. They want to believe. That uh the COVID shot is real because COVID is such a dangerous thing. Oh my God, we can't have that. Government will save us. You know they want to believe right. that October Fourth is going to be the end of the world. You know, sinner repent. You know, or the world will end. You know, right. I mean, the, people want to believe. That's an interesting psychological thing that, that we should look into. Also, the, the 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 wanting to believe the worst. And
2: right. I don't know. Why they well, do I it.
4: agree. With you. I uh, No, yeah. I agree with you. So let's let's circle back. The point okay. that you're making. Is very, very, very val- valid, and I'm in total agreement with you. But think about this. The event that was driven with COVID and vaccines, let's just use the word vaccine. Let's, let's utilize that word for a purpose of demonstration, okay? Um, okay. This has, this has heightened the awareness of vaccines, even, you know, child vaccines. So, you know, when I was a little girl, this has drawn more attention to the topic to the concern, to all, all the things, right? So is is this potential false flag I'll use from the conspiracy world, uh, right. is, is, is this um, true event, like event, or whatever, to wake more people up and draw heightened awareness to radiation, to 5G, to mm. all the different things? Could that be? See, yes, but, it uh... could be.
0: But there's the 5G have. is real. 5G is real. Uh, phone radiation yeah. is real. Uh, October fourth may not be real. But again, there's the logic and filter. Logi, logic, logic and reason filter. What is real based on what we know? We know the phones emit radiation. We know that they're not, uh, you know, space-based laser weapons. <laughs> you know, so so draw. No, 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 no,
4: no. I get it. You, I get yeah. it. But the whole uh-huh. radiation thing. The whole radiation thing that a lot of people in the natural wellness community mm-hmm. have been talking about for a long time. You know, yeah. it's one of those things we take, we take advantage of for poo-poo. Like my daughter, when I hound her about radiation from her phone and stuff, she doesn't give a rat's ass rear end.
0: No, I because mean, she's you know, always you know, grown up with phones. Nothing's happened to her personally. Uh, and she, she doesn't have any friends that have any problems. But, you know, wait wait 20 years.
2: <laughs>
4: you know, I know, uh, wait 20 seem, years. Is, yeah. is this to bring heightened awareness of, heck, you know, it may not be affecting you now, but in 20 years from now, you know, from carrying your phone in your back pocket, could you have ovarian cancer? Could you do this? And I mean, I'm one to talk because, mm. you know, I'm very much aware and I take as many precautions as I can. Again, for emergency purposes, I, was, I sleep with my phone by my bed because I don't have a landline and it's, it's a safety thing for me or that's the excuse i use but that's a real thing if somebody breaks into my house again i don't want to have to go digging or going somewhere and trying to turn on my phone wait until it powers up call 911.
0: No, so, i i recommend so i recommend a series of weapons knives guns swords you know exactly. tasers stun guns you know and you don't have to mention that stuff on the air <laughs> but i'm just saying that uh, a preponderance yeah. of weapons but can you put you in a much better position yeah enough. And a phone, yeah. Okay, yeah.
4: yeah. Hey, we've got to so go soon. We're, looks- we're,
0: we're kind okay. of in overtime now, so just to let you know, we're going to be summing up here in a bit. This has been interesting. Okay.
4: Well, yeah. I will look forward then to um, talking with you next week. And, again, if anybody wants to reach me or wants to go to um, um, that website that I, that I gave you, that would be great. You can reach me at H2O Wellness Network. That's H2O Wellness Network at gmail.com. And then wellnesswatch.gethealthy.store. And, again, please just keep in mind that that um, website is, you know, in building mode, but there is stuff there, and you will see the logo that says the Wellness Watch on there. Sounds good. All All right. right. I appreciate it. Have a blessed day, Greg.
0: You have a blessed day, too. Thank you. And uh, we'll be talking off the air about all kinds of stuff, so I appreciate it. All right. Take care, CJ. Bye-bye. Bye now, oh boy, another great show. <laughs> this was fun, and so we had uh, just a, a whole variety of, uh, of of different people. Again, Pianchi, uh was really great to spend a lot of time with me today on the show. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone and then uh, CJ, and so yeah. So, podcasts will be out in about you know just a little bit by. It'll be about ten fifteen standard time. Uh, about fifteen minutes the show ends is when the, the podcast is ready. Please share it you know, uh, share all the stuff that we do here. And, uh, we have a a variety of bills that need sharing too. So there's a lot of things that need doing anyway, back tomorrow, tomorrow's Friday. And so we have a couple of different guests. I'll have to check on them. I know one's coming. Um, we've got, uh, the the Women's firearm Academy, um, which is run by a dude, (laughs) which is kind of, uh, John DeMonaco. So he'll be on tomorrow at at, uh, eight o'clock central time, uh, nine o'clock. No, he'll be at nine o'clock central time. I have another guest I have to talk to you about eight o'clock. I just got to confirm that. Then I'll, uh, uh, I'll be naming names at that point, and then our usual folks in the beginning: uh, Tara D with the Santa Rosa Animal uh, County uh, Sh- Animal Shelter, Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter report. There we go. It, I'm, I'm tired. It's the end of the show. Uh, and Derek Park with our financial report. And then we have a couple of hours of uh, hopefully gun stop. It's going to be kind of fun. We haven't talked about that for a while. So very busy time. Again, go over to our website, writeyourlaws.com. Uh, check out the bills. You know, Click legislation. Click all proposed laws. And that's where you find the, the stuff that's uh, pretty critical. All right. Let's see if I can uh, find my next thing I want to click on here. It's been great. So again, tomorrow, Friday, 7 a.m. Central Time. Um, hop in here and we will do it um, all again. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout dark winter no freedom no liberty no guns no representation no oil no coal no nuclear power no space force no constitution no family gatherings no vacations just taxes work misery masks lockdowns and ever more government this is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country.